worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a, wait a minute. Zinger, get back here. You're not done. Just because you did just because you did call and show, you're not done. I can't have Blaine doing it because Blaine's got to do some stories. Get back in the chair, Zinger. The, the Jays are on. I don't care. You can watch it over there. We'll get into that in a second. I want people, I'll watch baseball, though. That's why Colin's off. I'm Michael Ball, along with Sean Kleisinger, and our friend Blaine Wyland is here, too. He is our uh, ace reporter when it comes to covering uh, the sporting scene out and about, especially the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll get to him in a second. But, yes, Major League Baseball is upon us, Sean Kleisinger and Blaine Wyland. Uh, and Michael Ball... Fresh off his $100 win on Monday Night Football last night when the Seahawks rang up the pitiful Giants to the tune of 11 sacks, a fumble recovery, and a pick six. Uh, I got the Rangers today over the Rays. Right now it's 4 nothing for the Rangers in the bottom of the seventh. Um, I've got the Jays over the Twins, and the Twins have a two-run homer from Lewis. Uh, leading after one inning of play at Target Field, 2 nothing. A little later on, I've got the Brew Crew over the Diamondbacks and the Phillies to beat the Marlins. That's what I've got for my pick today. Um, what the hell is up with the Jays? I'll get start with you first, uh, Zinger. What the hell is up with the Blue Jays? I don't know. It's uh, it's already over. It's over before it started. By the Kevin fourth... Gosman gave up a two-run shots, 2 nothing Twins, top of two. By the, by the fourth inning, you'll be back on the wagon because that's how you are. I will give Blaine Wyland this. He stays on the wagon. All the time. He is decked out in that baby blue uniform with the hats, but you're kind of quiet. You're usually bombastic when it comes to the Jays, Blaine, but you're rather quiet right now. Uh, I, I was pessimistic heading into the postseason. Yeah. Uh, the way their offense was all through the, the entire season, their offense. I thought their saving grace was uh, their short, uh, the three man rotation, but. Yeah. Uh, as we've seen so far, Gosman's not off to a good start. Yeah, he served up one right down the plate. Now, Zinger's irate over there, and it's because his team is down 2 nothing after 1. Your guys' team is down 2 nothing after 1. And I'm not a Jays hater. I like the Jays. Like, I don't care if they win or like I don't care if they win or lose, but I don't hate against them. But Zinger, you are mad that it's a three-game series. Well, you play 162 games and in, in your in your season can be over after two games. Like, come on! And the funny thing is, you don't even get to go home for one of those games. It's all in that home team stadium. It's just which I don't know oh. if I like either. Um, At least five games. Come on, now. Well, I think five <laughs> games for the first round. I do agree. You five game guy too. It beats that one game playoff. Yeah, that, back in the yeah, day when it yeah, used to be yeah. the one game playoff. It wasn't that long ago either. Yeah. 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 yeah, but here's the thing though. We can't go Zinger won seven games, but we can't play baseball in November. Now I want sixty two games shaved off of the regular season to make it like a round hundred or maybe even hundred and twenty. But we know because of revenue they won't. But you brought up a good point about uh double headers. Yeah, I've mentioned before that 
We should schedule in more doubleheaders throughout the season, especially June, July, August. Make it like every Saturday or maybe every Sunday. Make it a doubleheader day. I remember it. I don't have the stats in front of me, but as a young guy before you were even well, you were you were born, but probably not really paying attention, and you weren't born zinger. I was. Uh, I remember like you'd watch like it would be uh, CBC to have a Saturday game, right? Uh, Ernie Ernie Afghanis on the sidelines, uh, or Fergie Oliver do the double dip, and they'd show you the highlights from the first game in Chicago against the White Sox in the morning, and then you'd get the afternoon game. So I I actually don't mind that. And make them make them seven games or seven innings. Yeah, even if you have to expand the rosters a little bit, add a couple of players to the roster, like yeah. 27 players or something like that. Just, yeah. uh, or I, just never play Kevin Biggio in a baseball game ever again. Why did you screw up? Sucks. Did he just screw up? Uh, he grounds out. Uh, <laughs> huh. What is wrong with this offense? Like, like, Never mind Biggio. Vladdy Guerrero stinks. Bo Bichette's hurt, so I'll give him a bit of a break. Matt Chapman, he was good, but he fell off the map. Like, What is going on with these guys? I don't know where to begin. Like, yeah, Chapman was Mr. April, which is not good when you're a playoff team. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's great. The first month of the season, well, that was great. That's but... to be Mr. Grapefruit. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Or the Cactus Star, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it's just been all season. Like, I think we kept on waiting, waiting for the Jays' bats to wake up, but... They haven't woken up yet. I'll tell you what. The team to watch again are the Philadelphia Phillies. They're going to go on a bit of a run here. I think they're going to actually win the National League. I do. They got an. You just seem very ticked off, singer. <laughs> oh, I I cannot watch like sports at work. It, I can't do it. <laughs> you're just mad. It throws eh? my mind you're off. You're so mad. He is so. Hey, let me ask you. When your favorite team, like the Jays. Or the Calgary Flames, or the 49ers, although they're not doing it much. When they lose, <laughs> they lose. Do you take it very badly? Like I used to, but it's not so much anymore. Uh, it varies. I mean, like there's one time I remember when the 49ers lost back in the day when the 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 Rams started getting good again with the greatest show on turf. Yeah, that snapped the 49ers what 12 game winning streak against the yeah. Rams at the time. I took the remote and spiked it. Yeah, and broke. This dude went. This dude went uh, outside in steel toe boots and kicked the Loras bin a number of times <laughs> after a loss. He did. Was it a Packer game? Yeah. He kicked it repeatedly. That this guy's a this guy's a freak show. I texted him the other night uh, from my hotel room in Vancouver, just making sure he had all the audio and stuff. And then I he wasn't getting back to me. I'm like, that's rude. And then I saw, oh, his yeah. team's getting his ass kicked by the by the uh, uh, Detroit Lions. So no wonder he didn't get a hold of me. What a uh, sight it is to watch Alejandro Kirk run. Like, oh. what, a, what an absolute sight that yeah, is. Yeah, that's almost as bad as C. Is, is it CC Sabathia's pajamas? Jamas back in the day, oh, right? Yeah, boy. he is. He is. He is not. He's not a poster boy for saying baseball players are athletes. Bartolo oh. Colon. There's another. Yeah, one there's another there. one. Okay, so let's talk about rider practice. Uh, it's a it's a big uh, big week for the Rough Riders celebrating 2013. Obviously, remembering George Reed. Uh, that had to be a, a, a lot of the talk amongst you uh, reporter types in the crowd today. Yeah, definitely. And um, of course, uh, Jamal Morrow was one of the guys who spoke today, and uh, instant connection, obviously, with the Washington State connection between. Himself yeah. and George Reed, and, uh, and definitely uh, the players took understand. Talked a lot about the history of the organization. Obviously, George Reed made a big part of the history mm-hmm. of Saskatchewan. So there was a lot of talk about that today. And uh, 
just building up the the importance of this week's game. Did you club. see? Did you see number thirty four on the turf anywhere? I thought maybe they'll add a thirty four to the turf or something like that. Any any work going on there? Not on the turf yet. I could see that being something to do on Friday. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think, like they had the uh, the the jumbotron with yeah. the, with that uh, logo with George Reed. They had all the uh, side uh, yeah. boards with like. You know, George Reed's years. Yeah. And that. So it They'll was. They'll probably mo- do that. I'd like to see them. Zinger and I were talking about this. Uh, don't worry, Zinger. Just watch your ball game there. <laughs> we were talking about um, how they should make that. He was in section 34. That should make that seat a permanent shrine where nobody gets to sit yeah, there. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. And I think that's. Hopefully, that's something that goes through. I thought every ticket should have been sold for $34. And people were complaining and bitching that, well, what about <laughs> the people that already spent the money? Well, then just refund them their mo- that portion of their money back so that their ticket's only $34. Like, they need to... And it's not making money off the death of a legend. It's honoring a legend because he gave back to the community. You can't give free tickets, I don't think, but, you know, give uh, you know give people a break to come to this very important uh, game. And... With George Reed, too, it's do you just stop at this week's game? I mean, there's also another, like, no, in terms of honoring him, like, in the how much he meant to this organization. I think it's something I don't know if you go through, especially kind of midway through, because if this was like kind of mid season, I think we'd dedicate like the entire season yeah. or some sorts. It's kind of hard with like two games in the mix in, but it's just hard to pinpoint just how much he meant and just to, you just do it in one game to honor him like that. It's it's going to be tough. I'm pretty sure they'll have some sort of like 34 decal or yeah. a GR on their helmet for the game uh, or something on the sleeve of the uniform. Really looking forward to I hope they wear, I hope they're going to wear the throwbacks. They should wear the throwbacks yeah. in honor of George Reed. That's something they got to do. I hope they're listening and they do that. They, they better go big on this thing. Like Fans are disgruntled. I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know. They want to have some sort of feel good. It's going to be interesting. So we didn't have Derek Moncrief at practice today. Nope. Uh, any idea what's going on there? Sounds like he was battling an illness today, so I'm not sure that's like a uh. short-term thing. But, uh, yeah, no Moncrief today um, as well, I believe. Um, you said Tucker was at left tackle? Tucker was at left tackle. No Eric Lofton today. So we saw our first little bit of Jordan Tucker yeah. uh, playing the position. Of, has yet to make his debut. Of course, he got injured during training camp, yeah. came back, battling his way back to the lineup. so And he was looking good in camp, too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, definitely. So it remains to be seen because I, I, first day of practice, I always take uh, you know light stock in terms of who's practicing, who's not, because yeah. a lot of times guys come back day two. To me, it's day two is when we start to really see what the lineup's going to look like. It's going to get spicy, boys, because guess what? Bo Levi Mitchell and Matthew Schiltz split first team reps. Bo Levi Mitchell, is he going to play in this game? Is he going to be the guy? Wouldn't that be something? The Riders were going after him, settle on Trevor Harris, and we're happy to do so, and I was happy they did too. Um, and uh, yeah, so Bo, oh, that's going to be interesting, isn't it, it? It would be the Bo Levi type of thing to come back for this game, yeah, I think. It, it would be. be. It would be like typical. Yeah, he hates. He hate. That's his most hated rival. Come back and try to spoil the Riders' plans Mm -hmm. and uh, aspirations of a playoff spot. That would probably. That would be something like. He's not spoiling nothing. If he comes back, he's going to get absolutely demolished. I hope his his arm falls off and uh, C.J. Revis kicks it down a field. Be careful what you wish for, Bo. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. You got to give. You got to give. I still like Bo, but I didn't like how he went about it. Anyway, here's what I um. What I 
I have to say. Orlando Steinauer and his staff have done a great job coaching them back into a position to maybe get to a home game. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Anything can happen in a one- or two-game shot. They're battling Montreal, so it's a big game for them. They're battling Montreal for second, and then all you got to do is get to Toronto one game, man, and a chance to go to the Grey Cup. Toronto's done it to them before, right? That's yeah, the beauty of the CFL playoffs. You just got to get hot at the right time, and Ticats are trying to get hot right now. Actually, sorry, my apologies. Hamilton did it to Toronto in Toronto, and that was that whole kicking the fan thing where John Murphy got <laughs> suspended and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Remember that? No, yeah. So it's been done before. It's been done before. God, that's the thing. Like, I don't want Andrew Harris to win another Grey Cup, and I don't want Simone Lawrence to get anywhere near a Grey Cup, and I don't want Bo Le- by Mitchell to win a Grey Cup. I'm pissed off. <laughs> Trevor Harris, why did you have to get hurt? Trevor Harris doesn't get hurt. Look out. Look out. We might win. I still think we're better. Do you agree? I still think we're better than a 6-9 and nine team with the talent on this team. Yeah. You watch practice every day. Yeah, they're, they should be better than six and nine. And I mean, one thing they talked a lot about today too is a, you know, not the number one, or a reason, the turnovers. You know, they're minus thirteen on the turnover ratio. It's hard to win games when you're losing you the can't. turnover battle. You can't. There's three things. There's four things you got to do to get to the Grey Cup. Now, if you're the Riders, you got to win on the road. Eh. You got to run the ball. Eh. You got to stop the run. Eh. And uh, you got to win the turnover battle. Eh. So that's they got a lot to fix. Let's hope it starts this week. But I don't feel, I feel, lastly, Blaine, I feel like this is the 2013 all over again. When Hamilton came here and you knew right away they were going to get, you were at that game. Yep. You knew right away when you showed up to the stadium, they're getting killed. And that's kind of how I feel now with George, the whole thing with George Reed, and like Craig Dickinson and his coaching staff with the 2013 team in here, ironically. Ironically enough, it's against Hamilton. They're, they're I mean, they got to win this game, and they got to win it convincingly. Yeah, I, agree. I agree. They have to, and they should. I just don't know if I got the confidence as I did in 20, 2013. I had the confidence. Yeah, I remember, like you said, walking to that stadium thinking the Riders are going to win this game. I feel like they should win this game this week, but the confidence, it's hard to get that confidence after the last few weeks. Oh, hey, uh, uh, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. I don't, I'm not confident. <laughs> I'm just saying that they should. It's all lining up. Like the Tiger Cats shouldn't stand a chance. Hey, good work, Blaine. Uh, go back and watch some baseball. I'll let Zinger watch here and I'll just do everything myself. <laughs> this is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, updating you. Rangers lead the Rays 4-0, top of the eighth. So the Rangers right now in good position to take game one of the best of three. All the games in Tampa. The Jays at Target Field gave up a two-run homer. Gosman to Lewis of the Twins and those ugly throwback garbage uniform. They're not even white. They're like cream color. Looks like they didn't come totally white out of the washing machine. Garbage uniform. Um, but uh, the Twins are beating the Jays 2-0 in the bottom of the second. One on, one out. Still to come tonight. Game one's between the Brewers and the D-backs and the Phillies hosting the Miami Marlins. 936-6262. The number to text. You can call that number locally or one 866 We'll address your text brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. Our show's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery. So apparently online today, the Blue Bombers were... Um, 
the the blue bombers blocking people who were like blocking like fans and stuff, fans of the BC lines. And somebody goes, somebody says, looks like the Winnipeg blue bomber admin and the real Bosley actually have something in common. They both can dish it out, but they can't um, take it. Um, I'm here every, and as I tweeted the numbers to the show, 936-6262-1866-7670620. I'm here every day, three to six, Monday to Friday. I'm going to call out trolls. I'm going to block trolls and idiots, but you're more than welcome to call and we can have a civilized debate. That art form is gone. But once again, their phones must be broken because I know ours aren't. 936-6262-1866-767-0620. If you don't want to call in, that's fine. You do you. But uh, no, no, I, I'm not scared to talk to anybody. Uh, don't lump me in with the bombers. I block people that are rude and ignorant and goofballs. Maybe the bombers did the same thing. Maybe they did the same thing. Can't blame them. Hey, let's hear from uh, Jake Dolagala now. Right, they built, they built the foundation for what we're standing on right now. Um, so you look to them and... And you just thank them, um, guys like that. So, yeah, thanks to this family. Like I said, condolences to them. And, um, yeah, it stinks. Jake, how long did it take after you arrived in Saskatchewan to become aware of George or Ronnie? Is it just something that immediately... It happens right away. I mean, you go around anywhere in this building. Obviously, the statue's up front. Um, you know, in each one of the rooms, I'm pretty sure... For each specific position group, you have the legends around um, with their stats and everything. And, you know, in the quarterback, receiver, running back room, obviously George is right behind where we sit. So um, his accolades are up there and, you know, he's, he's staring me in the face every morning. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to miss around here and even in the stadium too, uh, the ring of honor and whatnot. Just tough, tough week with George passing and everything, but just outside of that, how's, how's the team feeling right now with how the season's going and where you guys are at right now? Good. I think uh, confidence is there. I thought we had a really good day, day one. Um, you know, it was clean out there. Um, guys were flying around for the most part, and uh, felt good. It felt like a good start. Is there any starting to feel any pressure just to get that win and get back on track ahead of playoffs and everything? Well, there's pressure in every game, but um, obviously – you know, with three games left, we got to win. You know, we're tr- going to try and win out, obviously, but you got to at least get a couple. So, um, you know, each one really matters from here on out. They're, they're going to be honoring George in this game. The 2013 team is going to be here as well. What does that do to have these kind of successful teams and successful players just being honored and around? Yeah, it's a, it's a big weekend for Ryderville for sure. Um, having those guys back from 13, it's going to be cool. Um, it's going to be great to meet some of them, um, get a chance to you know pick their brain hopefully and, and just learn. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to mean a lot. You want to play for them. Like I said before, they, they built the foundation here. So, um, you know, we want to put on a good show for them. That's for sure. And honor George Reed too. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. How can this team improve on the turnover front? Um, well, we got to protect the ball and we got to take it away. I mean, that's it's, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, I I think uh, well, coach showed us some stats today. We're we're towards the bottom tier of that um, category, so we gotta we gotta clean that up big time. That's Jake Dolagala talking about uh, starting off talking about the 2013 team and. Of course, uh, George Reed, and then uh, getting into what they got to do to beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, right now, uh, the Jays escape two on, fly to uh, uh, right field. 
Georgie Springer. George Springer makes the catch, and the Jays will go to the top of the third down, 2 nothing. Texas still leading top of the eighth, 4 nothing against the Tampa Bay Rays. What do you, honestly, what do you like about baseball? Like, what's your favorite thing about baseball? I try to get into it, but my team's done. I can't watch. I can't. Mm, favorite thing about baseball would have to be... Uh, it's such a tough thing to answer. It has to do with... Uh, Tradition? A, a, a feeling. Okay. A feeling. I played it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. When I think of baseball, I think of playing catch as a kid. And there's a certain smell that comes along with the game, the smell of the glove, the smell the smell of the ball. Mm-hmm. What also comes to mind is, you know, running back inside to watch the Braves on Superstation, running back inside to watch, you know, the Jays on mm-hmm. CBC, running back outside to play more catch, running back in to see when the I never liked to watch the Jays on defense when I was like really, really young. Mm-hmm. I'd always just to run back when they're on offense. So it's just the accumulation of a bunch of things, you know. I love watching Saturday's game of the week back in the day when uh, Vin Scully and Joe Garagiola uh, used to call it. Or Tony Kubek used to be a color commentator on the Blue Jays broadcast back in the day. I love listening to Tony Kubek call the game. Um, then the, the anticipation would be the one thing that I just love about baseball. In a very big moment when the crowd is all up on their feet screaming and it's a big moment, you know, they zoom in on the pitcher and he has like the ball behind his back and zoom in on the batter. Like there's no more of an intense moment in the world like in a World Series like yeah. it's a full count and you need like uh, whatever the offense needs like those moments like oh. can't beat it okay well that's what you think Zingers <laughs> Zingers on one side I'm like a lot of other people I'm on I'm on this side of the equation on this side it's October, and you know what that means. The baseball playoffs. That's right. It's time for three excruciating hours of coma-inducing inactivity spiced with an occasional home run by a steroid-taking freak of nature. It's America's game, especially if you think America is boring as hell. Don't worry, though. This year, it's going to be different. Okay, no, it's not. It will be the same lame, groin-scratching, ear-pulling, yawn-inducing sport it's always been. So why do I sound so excited? Because I get paid to. But don't let my voice fool you. Baseball will still slow your brain down like visual quaaludes and drive your wife to tears. So why is it still on TV? Because advertisers love it. So sit back and suck it down, America. We're baseball. We may be dull, but for now, we're all you've got. It's 3.33 with your sports ticker. Major League Baseball playoffs starting up today. The Wild Card Series right now. After three innings of play, the Texas Rangers... Sorry, that's after eight innings of play. Didn't wear my glasses or my contacts today. It's 4 nothing Rangers over the Tampa Bay Rays in Game 1. And in Minneapolis, Minnesota right now, 2 to nothing Twins over the Blue Jays. Bottom of three. Cougars in the Cage, a weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. Ovesh Pirahu and Melissa Edelman were the top swimmers for the U of R at the season opening fall breakout over the weekend at the Lawson Aquatic Center. Pirahu put together solid times in both the 50 meter freestyle and the 100 meter freestyle winning both events with times of 
23.63 and 52.70 seconds, respectively. Pirahu also took first in the 50-meter breaststroke at a time of 31.32 seconds. Adelman won seven of the eight individual events she entered, including the 50-meter backstroke, where she registered a time of 30 seconds flat, and the 100-meter backstroke with a time of... 1 minute 5.15 seconds. She also registered a personal best time in both the 50 meter freestyle and the 200 meter freestyle. Matthew Brow's top swim was in the 200 meter freestyle, which he finished in a time of 1 minute 58.95 seconds to shave over 9 seconds off his previous best time in that event, which he set back in 2019. Brow also placed first in the 50 back and 100 back. And that's cougars in the cage, or in this case, in the pool. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, the show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. The Regina Red Sox have a new coach this year. He's Rye Pythakis. If you remember that name or think, hey, that sounds familiar, you should. He's been the guy in charge of bringing talent into this team over the last number of years. But now he's going to actually uh, bring the talent in and help mold the talent on the field. Welcome to the show, Rye. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So, how did this come to be? Where you're the uh, head coach now? Well, uh, last year, the beginning of the year, uh, I was in a dugout for a while. I kind of caught the uh, cut the bug again to be back there, and you know, recruiting these guys and talking one on one with the coaches and bringing the players in. Uh, we just felt that you know, knowing the talent so well, uh, bringing them in and, and recruiting them, uh, why not coach them? Is it easier to do that? Like, you know what I mean? Like you. you do you split your brain in half? You're thinking as a coach, and then you're thinking as a recruiter, and then you can marry the two. Yeah, and, uh, you know, all winter, I have dialogue with the players that we do sign, you know, all winter, all spring, prior to re- re- um, arriving in Regina. So, um, you know, you already have a built-in relationship. Um, they know who you are. They've talked to you a number of times and kind of, you know, the ice is broken once they walk through the clubhouse door, so we're ready to roll. Yeah, it makes good sense. Hey, uh, what kind of team will we see under you, Rye? Like, what kind of ball do you like? Uh, pitching defense speed. Uh, speed does not slump. Steal some bases. Uh, you got some speed on defense, too. It really helps your pitching. on some fly balls. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's the kind of baseball you're going to see. We're going to run a lot. Um Bunt, run, hit and run, and uh, we're going to have a couple guys who can hit it over the fence as well. Nice. Is it hard to get players to come to Regina? No, 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 no. Uh, the league has got a great reputation. We have a great reputation in Regina. We're always in the hunt. Um, it's very, uh, very easy to recruit. What about the stadium? Do they do they uh, when they show up here? It's like, oh, what am I planning? Or it's our, you know, I always say hey, it's our kind, it's our dumpy stadium, but it's got character. It's kind of our dump. Well, they they love it. They love the atmosphere. Um, there's nuances there. They love walking through the outfield wall, through that door, and and walking onto the field. They're just they're just little things that 
you know, are attractive to the guys. The fans are great. We put on a great show. Uh, the city loves the team, and uh, the guys feel that right away. Sure, it'd be nice to get a new ballpark, though. Even though we like that stadium, it'd be nice to get a new one or some sort of reconfiguration there. Yeah, so it's it's nice, uh, you know, upgrade the playing surface a little bit. You know, that, that, that helps. Um, mm-hmm. Then for the fans, uh, you know, uh, make it more a little more fan friendly. Uh, maybe have two concessions where the lines won't get so long. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, I got to ask you this. I, I talked to Gary Bratzel about this, uh, the team president. Um, last couple of years, but for sure this year, you guys had to, you know, you get to the playoffs, you're getting there, but then all these guys um, have to go back to their schools. A lot of them, you lost, you lost out on some guys, so your your lineups depleted now. Fortunately, the local talent you had kind of picked it up a little bit, which was good to see, and that's always nice uh, in terms of the local flavor. But do you have to have a different strategy this year maybe with who you recruit so that you can uh, at least ensure that your team has a has a chance to have its full lineup or as close to it as, as you can as you head towards the playoffs? Yeah, you just I, I think you have to just kind of work around that, have great dialogue with the coaches that send the players. And, you know... Um, Sophomore, uncommitted sophomores are the toughest when they show up after junior college or a two-year school. And then, you know, halfway through the summer, they get a commitment to a four-year school. And then, uh, you know, their their coach at the new school calls them in early. And, you know, it happened to a couple guys last year. They never thought that was going to happen. Then all of a sudden, you know, they get the call. They got to get there by August 4th. So that's mm-hmm. that playoff starts. So uh, uncommitted sophomores kind of, we're just we're kind of keeping away from those guys. Uh Although there's a lot of good players in that category, but, you know, those are the ones that like we'll leave. Yeah. Okay, so you also are a uh, uh, with the scouting department of the Kansas City Royals, so you'd be great from a local angle to talk about these playoffs, which open up today, the wild card. First off, do you like the wild card? Do you like the fact we got more teams in the playoffs? Yeah, it's good for baseball and holds the interest around the league a lot more and you saw in the last 10 days uh, the excitement. I don't know if you watch much MLB. Uh, yep. now, um, yeah, I, I think it's really good for the game. All right, so let's get to some of these matchups. We'll start in the National League. I, tip of the cap to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Nobody thought they'd uh, get to the playoffs. They're taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. I think Milwaukee should win this one, but just uh, handicap it for me. Yeah, Milwaukee, they say, uh, you know, they have the pitching, but one of their big dogs is down, right? So they're going to two of them are uh you know ready to go um i i think milwaukee with you know they've had some experience in the playoffs over the last number of years first year in with arizona but the young guys don't know that all the young talent they have and they have their own two aces too so you know it'll be a nice series to watch we'll see what happens there do you, um, do you think the brewers win though uh, I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, the Miami Marlins get to the uh, playoffs, and that's good for Miami. They've got a nice stadium. Nobody was going there, but now they're kind of successful. Schumacher, or Shoemaker, the um, the manager, doing a great job with the, the Marlins. Going up against the Phillies, though. I like the Phillies for another deep playoff run. How about you? Yeah, I like the Phillies. Yeah, they're they're dangerous. They, they You know, two or three of those guys get hot at the same time. They take them a long way, and their pitching is very good. 
Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's go to the American League. We'll leave the Jays for last. Uh, the Tampa Rays and the Texas Rangers. Uh, basically, it's Tampa series to lose. The Rangers had the AL West, and then they kind of stumbled down the backstretch. I wonder if that'll affect their psyche going into the playoffs. I think they're going to breathe a sigh of relief, all the pressure. You know, they were in first place, what, for 131 days. So mm-hmm. they had a little slump there. They're in there. Um, their pitching is straightened away. They got some power. They got some veteran guys and Sager. And I, th- I think Texas is going to win that. I actually agree with you. Uh, uh, but I do think it's uh, Tampa's to lose. And then we've got the Toronto Blue Jays against the um, Minnesota Twins. As a Jays fan, I'm, I'm a Padres fan, so I'm not a huge Jays fan. But I said the Jays should want to play Minnesota in the first round because Minnesota has a history of blowing it. Toronto, I think, is by virtue of their division rye, has played a better uh, strength of schedule. So I like the Jays in this short series. How about you? Yeah, I think the Jays should do it. Uh, they have enough pitching, you know, in a short series to get through that. And they added some good veteran leadership, you know, at Belt and, and uh, the Kansas City guy they got last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I think they'll do it. Yeah, and they, you know, they learned a lot last year. Yeah, they certainly did, for sure. Hey, uh, Rye, thanks for your time, man. I wouldn't mind uh, having you on uh, as the playoffs go along, okay? Okay, no problem. Look forward to it. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Right, Tuesday shows brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, uh, culture, and recreation groups. Joined here by Mike McCullough. Mike, before we talk riders, George Reed, I, I do have to get a shot in. The, the, uh, the Giants offensive line, what is that? <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> did, you watch, did you watch that? Oh, game? I watched it. Yeah, I, I, I tried. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was rough. But hey, you know, maybe we'll get like a top three pick now. Yeah. So there's always light at the end of the tunnel, right? In some way, in some fashion. <laughs> I guess so. Hey, you know who always thought that was George Reed? I don't know how many times you had a chance to catch up with George Reed. You probably didn't know a lot about him, maybe, when you came to Saskatchewan, but I'm sure you interacted with him. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. When I first came didn't know a whole lot about him, but heard about him quickly and learned, you know, the legend very quickly. And, um, you know, got to know him quite well over the years when I had my charity golf tournament. He came every year. Uh, I remember calling him my first years doing it. I think like a fourth or fifth year guy and calling George Reed up and didn't know me from hole in the wall, but showed up and came every year thereafter. Just a quick email. The guy was unbelievable. Yeah, he was unbelievable. And I don't know if you saw old footage of him, but I, I consider him the greatest rider of all time. Everybody knew that dude was getting the football, and he just plowed through people. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, obviously I wasn't around when he was playing, but watching the video, I mean, he was 30 years ahead of his time. I mean, good God. The guy was a monster. So, And clearly the greatest rider of all time, with all due respect to everybody else. But I'm sorry, it's hands down. There's, there's no question. Yeah, would, would Mike McCullough like to get in front of that 34 and try to bring him down? Tell you what, Mike McCullough would have made a business decision going against old thirty four. <laughs> would have been would have been the old hamstring pull, you know, the one they can't really diagnose. <laughs> That's the best, uh, Mike. Uh, this now it's it, it. Sadly, it's ironic that he passes away around here because we were celebrating the twenty thirteen Grey Cup and they call it Legends Night. You can't get a better legend than that. I know it's uh, you know it's. I think more of it's going to have to be towards George and, and rightfully so. So I think we're on a 2013 team, but it's going to be a, a lot of George. And, and I think that's the way it should be. So it is, he, he was, he was the legend. He was the legend. 
Yeah. So it's cool. It seems like most everybody's coming back for this thing. That it's going to be exciting for you. And you're like a Plaza of Honor veteran now. You're in back-to-back years. I know. It's just what I do. It's like it's like uh, the seasons change when I go into the plaza, right? <laughs> just, uh, if you hang on to enough coattails, you're going to get in somewhere, buddy. Um, yeah, we got, I think we got like 35 guys or something coming back, and so it's it's going to be just it's going to be great just to see some of these guys. I haven't seen some of these guys in 10 years. Who is there anybody in particular you're most looking forward to seeing? Can you name one or two guys? Uh, I mean, I was trying to and find trying to get Ray Williams, who has basically disappeared. He, he's on the run from the law. I'm not sure, but um, like, yeah, I haven't seen him in 10 years, and trying to call him, email him, talking to dozens of guys, nobody's spoken to him. Finally got an email back like we're business associates and you know like oh yeah thanks man i'll be in touch you know type thing i'm like what so but i yeah i guess he i guess he can't make it so i, I don't know what's going on i would have loved to have seen right it's been way too long to see him yeah um what's the first thing that pops to your mind when you think of that 2013 team mike uh just like it was an all-star team you know like obviously not myself excluded but you know, just about the guys we had on there and, and the, the guys we got uh, in, the, in the off season prior to the, to 2013, it's like we just plucked the best guys from every team. I don't know how we did it. I don't know how the management pulled it together, but we just, every other week we had a new all-star coming in and joining the fold. So it was, it was just pretty impressive. And I think the icing on the cake, when you hear G. Roy Simons come to the riders, you're just kind of shocked. You know, he'd been kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, the evil empire of BC for so many years. And then all of a sudden he's wearing the green and white and you kind of knew like, okay, we got something going on here. What did he add to the locker room? I think it's just kind of just that name recognition, right? And obviously G Roy's, you know, near the end of his career and you know, you're not going to get 150 yards of him every night, but just knowing he's there and what he's been through. And, you know, at the time, the, you know, the greatest of all time receiver yardage and everything is, is it was impressive. So I think he, along with a lot of other guys, just uh, added some more championship experience and acumen to the locker room. You guys went through some turmoil there uh, partway through the year and uh, the locker room really came together. It was a player driven uh, team, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I mean we lost was it four in a row or something, which coincided with me coming off the injured list. We won't get into that, but uh, we uh, yeah we lost four in a row and we lost you know Ray, which is which is tough, and Sheets went down for a couple games, but there was there was never panic, you know. It, in prior years, you think you, you know you kind of look back and think, oh yeah, there was there was a lot of stress and tension, but I just I don't remember ever feeling the stress of even a four game losing streak. It just wasn't there. We just just knew that we could bring it together. Mike McCullough joining us here. Now you're, you're self deprecating humor, but uh, listen, you, uh, you were a vital part. You did step in at middle linebacker and play a great role for that team. At what point in that season did you know that was going to be your last year? Uh, I knew in July before the season even started that it was probably going to be my last year. So, <laughs> why, 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 why did you come to that uh, realization? Uh, it's just you know I was working out at level ten with the guys when, and I couldn't, and not that I was you know keeping up a dresser on a regular basis, but we were doing footwork drills, and I just feel like my feet weren't doing what my brain wanted me to do, and it just I just felt like I was about ten steps behind everybody, and just came home to my wife and said, I, I think I'm done after this year. Was was it tough? Uh, it was though. And then, you know, I got my injury in the, in the training camp, which really kind of helped solidify like, man, it's just a brutal injury, you know, bicep tear. And then my back kind of went and got a minor concussion. So I just thought, yeah, this is, this is telling me I got to get the heck out of here. Yeah. You suffered that concussion in the uh, West final, I believe. Uh, undiagnosed undiagnosed oh, oh, just, okay. well I guess because I never went to anybody which I should have <laughs> now kids if you're listening if you hit your head you go to the doctor I didn't because I knew I wouldn't be playing again so 
Yeah. I kind of hit it, and uh, it was probably the smartest thing. But that's what we do with yeah, so the how, players. And we're yeah, not too yeah, great. yeah. So how did you get? How did you get through that? Because it wasn't something of you know, it wasn't a fly by night thing. You were you were wobbly there. It was tough. Yeah, I was uh, second half of the Western final. The entire West. No, sorry, second half of the Western semi. The Western final was a nightmare. Uh, we crushed Calgary in Calgary, thirty-five twelve, and. I think we forced eight turnovers and it should have been amazing, but I was hating every second of it. I felt so sick to my stomach. I couldn't even, couldn't even focus. So it was not ideal. Uh, so wait a minute. You, you suffered the injury in the West semifinal? Yeah. I hit uh, my good friend, Patrick Cabongo, all six foot eight and 370 pounds. And thought I'd be a tough guy for a play. And that's what happened. <laughs> so do you, re- do you remember Darian Durant's uh, heroism in that game? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I still, rem- I still remember. Yeah, like that game, I was kind of a little off, but then the, it was the following weeks. Like the, the Western final was the worst for me. That's where it kind of was in the middle of it. And then I was probably about eighty to ninety percent for the Grey Cup. So you're you're uh, you're you're a strong guy. You don't cry too much. But uh, let's go down that uh, path again. You were kind of blubbering there at the at, when, you, when you guys. <laughs> you just listen to Brack. He's so full of crap. So. <laughs> you, when you ra- when you ran onto the field there, knowing that was your last game. No, yeah, I was obviously a little emotional taking it all in for the last time and seeing the crowd. Yeah, I got a little emotional. I wasn't blubbering, <laughs> like laying on the field with like a scooter. I just got a little emotional. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you ever go back and watch that game? Uh, you know what? I, I, I've seen clips and snippets of it, yeah. I think I'd like to, you know, I think I watched this, some small chunks with my kids. <laughs> they don't care, but <laughs> they could care less I played. <laughs> my oldest was a Stamps fan while I was still playing for the Riders. Figure that one out. But anyways. That is a lot. Uh, Why was he a Stamps fan? He liked the color red. He was young. He just liked the color red, so he liked the stamps. <laughs> oh, forgive him. He was only four or five years old. So. That is hilarious. Hey, you know what? Lastly, we started with George Reed. Let's finish with George Reed in this way. Yeah. George came to Saskatchewan. Like People leave Saskatchewan uh, to get famous. George Reed and Ron Lancaster came to Saskatchewan to be famous, and, well, Ron left for other exploits, but George stuck around, uh, left for a bit, but then Jim Hobson brought him back. You're a guy that, you know, an Ontario guy, played way out East College, comes here, doesn't know what you're getting into, and you've stuck around, so you've kind of followed that path of George Reed in, in a way. That's the only thing George and I have in common. George was a, a legend, okay? So let's, yeah. let's not even put me in the same breath as him. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It's, uh, in terms of guys kind of staying here, you just, you get comfortable and you get treated really well. I mean, even when you're, uh, you know, lower tier guy like myself, you get treated better than you probably should. So, I mean, George was revered. George was idolized and, and for good reason, not just for what he did on the field, but what he did off. Like, I think on the, on the field is easy to see, but all the stuff he did off the field is what you, was what really made the man who he was. Well, uh, you're the same type of guy in that way, man. Thanks for all you do. And we'll uh, check you out this weekend. Okay. All right. We'll see you around. Thanks, Baldy. Have a good one. And Mike McCullough is a good guy. One of my favorites. Uh, he, uh, he told me, he goes, he goes, I'm not doing the call-in show if you're not doing it because we're friends. He said, we're friends, and I like, hey, I'm not getting rich doing this. Like, he's into the money. If you want somebody to look after your money, give Mike McCullough a call over at Investors Group, okay? I give you a cell phone. But anyway, he doesn't text either. You have to actually physically call him. He's got a flip phone still. That's how cheap he is. But anyway, Mike McCullough, uh, yeah, he's like, uh, I don't get paid a lot to do this. I just like doing it because like having fun talking with you and Razzny, like we're in a locker room, and yeah, he's a great guy. He's so self-deprecating with his humor, but he was a big. Remember that run, Zinger, oh, yeah. when uh, he took over for Ray Williams, and then 
they punted him for uh, Diamond Ferry, yeah, and Diamond the teammates Ferry. the teammates were mad when they punted him for Diamond Ferry. Remember old Diamond Diamond Ferry from yeah. the Montreal Alouettes? Yeah, yeah. I love uh, I love Mike McCullough. Mike McCullough was one of those guys, like eleven years a linebacker. He and, and he still they still want him out for dinners and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just a good guy. Two Grey Cups. Two Grey Cups. Oh, there's only a handful of guys with two Grey Cups. There's not many of them. I think we could write it down. Well, Ken Austin's one. Mike McCullough's one. Darian Duran, who joins us tomorrow, is another. Neil Hughes is another. Um, Chris Getzlaff didn't play, but he's another. The top of my head. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, uh, was Brendan Tamman around in 2007? 2007. He was no. He was the GM in Winnipeg, I believe. Oh, that's right. We beat him. Yeah. <laughs> Take uh, that. Trying to think. There's 2000. Well, Jim Hops. It was Hopson around. Hopson was around. Yeah. yeah. So he's got two. Yeah. But there's only like there might be ten when come, people when it comes to like actual players. There might be though. ten people. Like yeah. Ivan Goodfriend would have been one. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, there wouldn't be a lot. Anyway, um, got a text here from Brandon. Brandon sends a text. And, hey, guys, just wanted to say love Zinger for the last couple of hours as a DJ. Boy, people are giving you love. You're catching on. Uh, I also like baseball a lot, although I liked your parody song there, or parody ad, he said. Um, I love the uh, Rough Riders, and I know we're just going to do it this weekend. Doubles being there, I'm so excited. Doubles is going to be here tomorrow, so hopefully you're going to be excited for that. We'll have doubles on the show. But Jeremy O'Day also won one as a player, and he was the assistant GM in 2013. There you go. So he's another one. But there aren't a lot. Not not a lot of players. We though. only have four damn great cups in our whole history. Oh, man, is that depressing that to think about? That is very depressing. Oh, God, we need some more. On that note, I'm out of here. Let's go to Need break. more gravy. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. Well, I got one game right. Texas Rangers beat the Rays 4-0. I got Milwaukee beating the Diamondbacks a little later on and the Phillies knocking off the Marlins, but I picked the Blue Jays to beat the Twins. <laughs> Ballsy, you suck. The Jays suck, too. They're down 3-0 mid-fifth. They can't, they can't hit the save their life. What a disaster. What an absolute disaster. Can we please just end the season? Arash Madani joining us, uh, Sportsnet... Uh, Great uh, reporter. It's Coast to Coast for Smart Investing Solutions. Give Brian Golly a call over at Smart Investing Solutions. 546-2533 if you want to be smart with your money. Oh, Rash Madani, what a joke. Uh, Balls, here's the thing. And, and this is the stuff that, that you just like. When it happens in spring training, you're like, okay, I guess. And then it happens early in the season, you're like, well, they better get it out of their system. And then it happened on Canada Day, and you're like, Bo, you just cost the team the game. But here they are. They're down 3 nothing. It's the fourth inning. They have two on, and it's an infield single. And no one's covering third, and Bo tries to be the hero. He, he just blows through the stop sign from Luis Rivera, the third base coach, then gets gunned down at the plate. 
Instead of bases loaded in a 3 nothing game in the fourth inning, horrible situational baseball by a dude who's got to know better. But, but these are the things you just can't do. And these are the things the Blue Jays have done, which has them down 3 nothing now in the fifth. Arash, staying with the Blue Jays theme, I'm an old school fan, so I'm all for Buck Martinez breaking his leg at home plate and then throwing the guy out of third. Like, I'm all for mowing over the catcher. But it's the right. new world of sports. Where was the challenge from the dugout? Because that Twins catcher can't block the pathway to home plate, and he clearly did. Yeah, except he was out by a mile. Doesn't matter. He didn't even have yeah. a shot at the plate. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, Balsy, I I bet you if you put all thirty major league managers and you ask them, is that legal or illegal? I bet you the response would be fifteen and fifteen. Yeah, you're... I don't think anybody even knows what that rule is. Yeah, it's a that's the equivalent of NFL. Is it a catch? Is it pass interference? What's defensive holding? Um, so Arash, uh, the biggest question's got to be the offense, isn't it? Yes, yes, an offense that, and and I don't know if there's, uh, I don't know what happens to this team, but like what spell goes over this team during Gosman starts, but Kevin Gosman is. You know, top five in ERA in the American League, uh, top five in strike, top five in anything that matters in pitching, and the team just doesn't hit for him. Now, we're saying all this, Ballsy, it's the fifth inning. It's still a three-run game, and yes, the offense hasn't done anything. Yeah, right now we... we've been We've been saying this, though, since March, that, it, that this offense is too good for it not to emerge, explode, do something, do anything... And yet here we are now in October saying the same thing. And yeah, it is about the offense. Vlad's been MIA. Bo's been MIA. Um, you know, their hottest bat in the month of September was Kevin Biscio. Yeah, what happened to Matt Chapman, Mr. Grapefruit? Like he was <laughs> he was great. Mr. April. Yeah, that's what I mean. Mr. Grapefruit, Mr. Cactus. Like he was great. He was great in April, but where is he now? <laughs> you know, Walsy, I gotta give you credit, man. I don't know where you come up with this stuff, and you come up with it on the fly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Mr. Grapefruit, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah, I like that. Wh- where is he? Like, that's what I mean. It's so uh, he, forget Matt Chapman. How about Mr. One Hundred and Fifty Million Dollar George Springer? Yeah. How about former World Series MVP? How about leadoff hitter who's been who's done what? Yeah. Like they brought George Springer in to be face of the franchise. He's wanted nothing to do with that. They brought him in to be a leader. He's wanted nothing to do with that. They brought him in to be a center fielder. He's moved over to right. George Springer was supposed to be the catalyst yeah. to get this team over the over the top. And George Springer has shown very little appetite of wanting to do anything other than commercials because it's more money in his pocket. Um than, than all the things that are required of his stature as a vet making that kind of cash. Yeah, well, he didn't bring his trash can over. Maybe that's the problem. Okay. Didn't, bring it, didn't bring it over from Houston. Uh, so here's the other thing. I thought if the Jays are going to do this, they, you kind of want to dispose of Minnesota, a notorious choking team, as fast as you can. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to, like, what happens in terms of pitching if it goes, you know, three games? Well, this is where I think the Blue Jays have the advantage. If it goes three, Chris Bassett would get game three. Yeah. Jose Barrios is going to go tomorrow. 
Well, Chris Bassett just threw 200 innings. Chris Bassett has been lights out. Chris Bassett has been terrific. This series is not over. This game is not over. We're talking as if, you know, everybody should be fired and, you know, baby mm-hmm. out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. But, but to me, this is where if the Blue Jays lose today and win tomorrow, they are in the driver's seat in game three. Yeah. But, but, um, they got to get there. So I need your thoughts as a guy who has grown up loving the Canadian Football League, working in the Canadian Football League, now covering it from afar. George Reed passes away suddenly yeah. at the age of 83, a day before his 84th birthday. You know, Ballsy, I've been thinking a lot about this over the last couple of days. And I can't remember the last time an athlete, a former athlete, would walk into a room and he wouldn't make the whole room stop. The room just would. And that's what George Reed was. Mm-hmm. Like, George Reed was, like, there's, there's legendary status and there's larger-than-life status. And <laughs> the funniest part about George Reed is he didn't command it. It just kind of came his way, and he had the personality, and he had the dazzling smile, and he was the everyman, and yet there's a damn statue of him outside of that stadium of yours. And, you know, like, I I think back to Grey Cup week last year. I think Zinger went, too, is that there was a a two-man play Mm -hmm. um, downtown Regina, you know, about George Reed, and George was in the house that night. And when they just kind of saluted him at the end, the roar and the appreciation for George Reed, like there was a reverence that came with him. Like that, that is a, that is a giant, a legend, all of that that was just lost. Not just for Saskatchewan, not for the Rough Riders, but for all of Canadian football. He was our Jim Brown. That's what I say. He was the CFL's Jim Brown. Jim Brown used to sit at Cleveland Brown games. Uh, George Reed used to. I hope they do something up there in the stands. Nobody sits in that seat again. Now, we could talk about, and we have talked about, his humanitarian side off the field, everything he did. He didn't turn down autographs. He was humble off the field, too, to the point where in Calgary he was stocking shelves at midnight at a superstore before Jim Hobson, Brad Wall, and the gang brought him back here to a place of reverence and working for Casino Regina, but I don't think we can talk enough about what a great football player that guy was. 13 years in a bruising position and like the, what's amazing is in that era, it's so hard for people to kind of understand this now when every snap is at a shotgun and it's a five receiver set and all those things in that era Everybody ran the ball all the time. And so the number of carries and the number of yards and the pounding that it took on the body and George Reed just kept ticking. And this guy, to do it for that kind of longevity is just amazing. Um I think, does he still hold the rushing touchdown record? Yep, yeah, 130, I want to say 134, something like that. It'll never be, that'll never be touched. And Mike Pringle, we like Mike Pringle, he's been on the show, but Mike Pringle had 18 games a season, George Reed didn't. Right, right. And I covered, my kind of entry into the business was when Pringle was at his peak. 
and um, man, Mike Pringle was awesome. Oh, he was awesome. But George Reed, everybody, what I love, George Reed's the greatest rider ever to play because of his longevity, because he got better as he got older, because he stayed here after, and no disrespect to Linecaster, he went and uh, we've already had this discussion, he went and did other things right up there with uh, Pinball Clemens as one of the most influential guys in league history. But, you know, George Reed was the greatest, and and it was because everybody knew he was getting the ball, and he still got you the yards you needed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Here's a question for you as an outsider. Who would you put number three? Like, one and two are obvious. Ken Austin. He won two Grey Cups, one as a coach, one as a quarterback. Mm, Yeah, it's a good one. That wouldn't even be a debate. Uh, The fourth one's a debate. Plus, plus he lost one to the Riders, too, don't forget. Yeah. The fourth so he was responsible for three rider <laughs> yeah. championships. Yeah, that's right. Four, four, and actually coming up at 4.30, we're going to talk to his uh, running mate, uh, Henry Burris, joins us after 4.30 to talk about uh, his the other side of that 2013 Grey Cup championship. And Henry has an interesting take on how tough it is politically to get into the NFL. He's now working for the Bears as a post-game analysis guy on one of the, I think it's the Marquise Network. But, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so... George Reed, last thought from you. How should they honor this guy going forward? So I, I thought about this too. And, you know, we're, we're at a time now where the running back position is is almost a, um, I don't know, is it a polarizing topic in pro football? Undervalued, underappreciated. It's like, oh, uh, we, don't need, we don't need one until we need one. I watched... Uh, a lot of the San Francisco Arizona game on Sunday. Poor and you. you and I have talked about Poor this. You. <laughs> Poor yeah, you. Exactly. But I'm watching Christian McCaffrey play ballsy, and I'm like, this guy is not a running back. He's an offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're a tight end, if you're a receiver, if you're a slot back, if you're a running back, if you're in any skilled position, offensive player, there should be a there should be an offensive skilled position player, an offensive weapon award in the CFL. They have the most outstanding player, which is usually the quarterback. They have the rookie of the year. They have the defensive player of the year, lineman of the year. They don't have a skilled position award. I would make it the George Reed, you know, offensive player of the year, offensive weapon. Yeah, because that's what George Reed was, and that's what pro football today is. It's about that. So do we have a man of the year? I know we have the Jake Goddard award, uh, mm-hmm. award, but like they have the Walter Payton man of the year. I heard that suggested on uh, Twitter by a couple of fans that they should have the George Reed man of the year. Yeah, that's a good one, too. You know, that's a good one, Because everything, everything he's done. Hey, it's always great talking to you. We'll chat with you later in the week. All right. Thanks, Ballsy. Thanks, Arash. When we come back, we are going to uh, have our clutch performance for Nick's service. And we'll, Zinger and I will chop it up who we think the top 10 teams in the National Football League are. What's the score in that Jays game? Still 3 nothing. Top of the sixth. Jays. Oh, man. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Right. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Rips off the edge. Morosu couldn't get there and the ball's out. Picked up by Brooks. Seattle's ball out of bounds inside the 10. That's been the story really, Joe, through the first three weeks as well. They've had one big play to Brita, but it was really, you know, kind of a scramble play. 
Jones avoids a sack for the moment and now spins his way back to the line of scrimmage. This was back. Back the other way, Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon cuts back. What a night for the rookie. You think they love him in Seattle? How about six points? Touchdown, Witherspoon. They're happy to have him. He's been playing great. Able to get up and jog off the field. Here's Wagner. And another sack. And just no chance for Daniel Jones. Well, the Seattle Seahawks defense was clutch 11 quarterback sacks tying a team record for most sacks in a game and they had a 97 yard pick six for touchdown from their rookie defensive back Devin Witherspoon who also recorded two quarterback sacks. Our clutch performer is the Seattle Seahawks defense. For Nick's service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner and Fent dealer, give them a call 781-1077. Talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All you gotta do is have one of Zanger's teams go in the toilet and he just is in a bad mood. <laughs> so the Jays are done in the sixth, uh, going to the bottom of the sixth. 3 nothing Twins lead that one. They're getting shut out worse than I did in high school asking for dates. Uh, Texas won earlier 4 nothing, take a one game lead in that best of three. Did you say they're done in the sixth? <laughs> well, they're, they're done in the sixth. They're in the bottom of the sixth now. What? I thought. Are you that? Are you that ahead of me? It's still top of six when I'm watching. Oh, here. is it? Three nothing Twins. Unless the, the Jays got a quick out here. Oh, okay. Oh, it's all ruined for me. I thought we had a chance. We had two runners on. Oh. Okay, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyways, hopefully the Jays. I picked the Jays to win, so I hope they can smack a homer here. Anyway. uh Zinger heard the clip there for our clutch performance. Uh, Seattle wins the ball game. Won me a cool hundy uh, from my weekend betting. Uh, but Zinger, um, I like Joe Buck. People don't like Joe Buck, but you're like, I don't mind Joe Buck. I hate Troy Aikman. Why do you hate Troy Aikman? <laughs> then you just went off on a rant about how Troy Aikman sucks and he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, I I you made... can put anybody behind that old line. <laughs> I think I've made this rant like six times on the cage. and I just don't think... Like I think like Dan Marino, if you compare the quarterbacks... No, no, that, no, no. I don't care about that. Why don't you like Troy Aikman? Troy, uh, as a broadcaster, yes. I don't like Troy Aikman because of all the games in the past that he's called when it's the Cowboys versus the Packers. I, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Packer yes, fan. Yes, you are. He, he's made it... No, you go online, you, you look at it. The Jays got a hit. The Jays got a hit. They're, they're, they're sending home the shit. You got to run? We, we got to run. Yeah. Runners on the corners. Oh, no. Runners on uh, whatever. Aikman. He, uh, <laughs> Don't get him to broadcast baseball games. Runners on the whatever. <laughs> Aikman, man, when he broadcasts a Packers in, in a Cowboys game, he yeah. makes it blatantly obvious that he is back in the Cowboys. Like, it's just, it makes my stomach sick. When it comes to Aikman as a player, man... <laughs> Don't get me started. That's okay. another subject. Let's go to the uh, power Dude, rankings. Look at his statistics. He's in the hall because he has three rings. You look at his statistics, man. He has like a quarterback rating. I know it's different eras. Well, but he played one fifteen. He played. He was on a one and fifteen team, a crappy team, first little while of his career. He's a Hall of Famer. Yep. 
Look at his statistics. Okay, I'll look it up here. Anyway, let's go to the this. worst statistics for a Hall of Fame quarterback I think there is out there. I think he has like an 80 quarterback rating. He has like 20 more touchdowns and picks. He has like 150 touchdowns, like 120 picks, something like that. Like he, He's in the Hall because of his teams. His teams were ranked the best offensive line of all time, arguably the best running back of all time. And then you just plop... You know, a quarterback in there, like yeah, he's not in the top twenty uh, passing yards of all. No, time. you won't find. You're gonna have to scroll to page six to find his name. He's no nowhere in near the even, top. Even my guy, Old Man Rivers, is up there at six. Yeah, Aikman's overrated. Anyway, okay, so let's get to the power rankings here. I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at ten. At three and one, they lead the NFC South after beating the Saints on the road. The defense is coming up big, and Baker Mayfield is playing well. His stats are better now than when Tom Brady left the Buccaneers at the same point in the season. Sometimes all a player needs is just the right spot. Yeah, maybe Baker Mayfield after three or four stops has found it. Number nine, I got the Seattle Seahawks. They've won three straight, including that Monday night game. They beat up on the Giants with eleven sacks, but early season health is a big concern. Jamal Adams went out again with a concussion. Gino, lucky didn't get a, a severe knee injury, just tweaked it on one of those hip down tackles that Pete Carroll wants abolished from the game. And their old line's taking a serious beating. But I got them at nine. At number eight, I got the Dolphins. Uh, they came back Ooh. to reality against the Bills on offense. But the defense isn't very good, man. They just, they're not very good on defense. They get pushed around. Um, and good defensive coaches, McDermott and Belichick, have limited the offense. So there you go. I got them at eight. At seven. Dave, the Miami Dolphins, outside of the Chicago Bears, the. I think Washington Commanders have given up the most yeah. points in the NFL. Yeah, Chargers are in there too, but it's uh, horrible. 119 the, points. The Ravens there. are seven. That was an impressive road victory over the Browns, even though they didn't have uh, Deshaun Watson to go up against. But I got them at seven. Still a big win against a tough defense. Six. I got the Lions. They went into Green Bay and beat the Packers. They've gone into they've gone into Kansas City, Arrowhead, and beat the Chiefs. So I know you don't like it, but they're six. I actually outside of my top ten at twelve, I had Green Bay. I had Green Green Bay's to 12 right now. They're still in the playoff mix. You're you're disgruntled, but they'll get back at it against the Raiders on Monday night, a game you'll be at. Number five, Cowboys. They crushed the Patriots. Their defense was awesome, and they put that Arizona debacle behind them in the rearview mirror. I got the Cowboys at five. Remember, power rankings are prisoner of the moment, okay? Uh, Four, I got the Bills. They look dominant. Their defense is looking good, and Josh Allen is back to playing MVP football again. Um, Out of anybody in the National Football League, Mm-hmm. Uh, that team that you just mentioned, the Buffalo Bills, I think they're second in points against. Yeah, they're looking in good. the whole NFL. So it wasn't, points. it wasn't a great game by the Kansas City Chiefs, but it was a good start and it was a good end, and they found a way to get it done. And so far, they're avoiding the Taylor Swift distractions, but oh, who knows what's going to happen there? At number two. Doesn't look great, but they're finding ways to win games. That's the good news. But they do need to pick it up. That's the Philadelphia Eagles at two. And the best team in the NFL, no doubt, it's the San Francisco 49ers. But they face a real juicy Sunday night contest against the Dallas Cowboys. An old NFC classic. Whether you like 
them or not, and I don't like either of those teams. That is an old school NFL 1990s era classic, or even well, I'd be 90s era classic with the aforementioned Troy Aikman against the Montanas and or Steve Youngs of the yeah, world. That is a sexy matchup when those two unis hit the field against yeah. each other. Yeah. It's just like you just think of mud and grass. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, mud and grass. Yeah, yeah, like that muddy <laughs> NFC championship yeah. game. Okay, so let us, uh, you know. With Taylor Swift, we're both sick of Taylor Swift. It can end soon enough. When Travis Kelsey does Taylor Swift wrong, this will be a next break of song. These are the good times for Taylor Swift and Kansas City Chiefs tight end number 87, Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs won again on Sunday Night Football, despite the fact she's swirling around as a big distraction. She was at the game in New York to cheer on her new beau. But in the event things go south, and they will, I've put together her breakup song titles, courtesy of the Sports Cage. I thought he was a catch, but he dropped my heart. 86 by 87. Broken tackles. Broken promises. Kansas City cheat. The receiver. Deceiver. From end zone to friend zone. Another Taylor Swift breakup song title after she and Travis Kelsey end their relationship. And you know it's going to happen. The Tomahawk Chump. Passion interference. And final score. You lost. That was Taylor Swift's next breakup song. We're back with your sports ticker at 434 for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. All you have to do is give them a call at 781-2090. Big day in Major League Baseball. The wild card round is underway, and the Toronto Blue Jays are down to the Minnesota Twins, 3-1, bottom of sixth. The Jays got a run in the top half of the sixth, so slowly but maybe, surely, Making their way back in this ball game. It's a best of three, remember. So uh, the Jays, if they lose today, they will be facing elimination in tomorrow's ball game. As uh, yikes, not much room for error in the wild card round. As Jose Barrios will get the start on the hill tomorrow for the Toronto Blue Jays. But hey, game one's not over quite yet. Still some baseball left to go. So let's just sit back and see what happens. Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. Turn right, fakes here, play past 16 counters, easy time. Pull back west right, zoom, pull back left, pass half back at zero, Z quick sprint left, on one, right two. Well, yesterday on the Sports Cage, we remembered the life of George Reed, the rider great who passed away Sunday, one day before his 84th birthday. I caught up with his old friend Jim Hobson, the former rider president and CEO and a former teammate of Reed. He was instrumental in bringing George back to Saskatchewan in the mid-2000s. Well, uh, it was kind of a goof effort. Uh, it was really Tedder Ness that came to me one day we were walking around the stadium and uh, sat down in the locker room and he said we got to get George back and I said uh, yeah that'd be great and he said it, it's not good for George in, in Calgary and he told me the story of George Reed if you can imagine um, working at uh, Superstore at midnight stocking shelves and I was like oh my god this this is this is not good and so uh, between uh, 
you know, myself and uh, and Brad Wall and, and uh, um, uh, people over at Casino Regina, we were able to put together something where he'd come back and work for the casino and, of course, be uh, uh, an ambassador for us. And we supplied uh, uh, a vehicle and different things. And, and he, he did a lot for us. And then, of course, he did so much for the casino. So it was, uh, it was unbelievable. When you think about that, how many people would be brought back uh, to the province because uh, of the love that they have for him and they would wanted to see him uh, be the George Reed that we all grew and love. So it was kind of a remarkable thing. Now, I've, I've asked you this before. You won't make, uh, you won't budge. I think he's the greatest rough rider of all time. I think uh, Ron Linecast is the greatest figure in CFL history. So uh, all due respect to 23 that way. But I think George Reed, when everybody knew who was getting the ball, he still got the ball and was unstoppable. That's why I put him right up there uh, as the greatest of all time. Um, but when you think of George Reed, what do you, th- you know, is it hard to put into words what you think about him? Oh, you think it so much. What you, what you just said is so true, Balti. Uh, Steve Mazurik and I had a long talk this afternoon about our, our great friend, uh, George, and, and uh, some funny stories about, about uh, our time with him. But uh, he made the same point as you. He said, we go in a huddle, give it to George. Next play, give it to George. Next play, give it to George. And Matt says, I wanted the ball too, but, you know, George, unbelievable. Ronnie would just give it to him time after time. Uh, we talked about what a stoic he was. Uh, you know, he just was so tough. And he was a football player, and, and he just didn't complain. Uh, we don't know that we ever saw him spike the ball, took the ball, handed it back to the, to the ref. Uh, very much a class act, so key. I mean, uh, we knew that when we needed three yards, we were going to get three yards. Uh, he didn't lead by by being a vocal uh, guy in the locker room. But he led by example. Uh, he did that in his own life, too. Uh, uh, we loved sitting with him. We talked about, uh, we'd see him coming into the office uh, for a visit. He came by about once a week, and uh, uh, of course, uh, He'd always say, uh, come on, guys, and outside we'd go, and George would have a, a dart, he'd say, and a cigarette. We always marveled that this guy could, could be the athlete he was. <laughs> he still enjoyed his odd cigarette. And, uh, and, but we, you know, um, just a class act, through and through and through. Uh, his patience with, with fans, his willingness to put in the time, be there, uh, it just was remarkable that way. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Tuesday's show on the Sports Cage brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lottery. the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. One of my favorite riders of all time, one of my favorite CFLers, Henry Burris, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hank, how are you, bro? Baldy, what's going on, brother? How are you? Doing great, man. Now, you're in Chicago. You went to camp with the Rams and helped out their training camp and uh, and uh, preseason. Tell me about your experience with the L.A. Rams. You know, it was awesome. I mean, to be able to, to spend time and be around a mind like Sean McVay and just kind of see what the secret sauce that, you know, he's using to have the success that he's had and, and what allowed him to 
propelled himself up the uh, the coaching ranks so quickly. You know, I was able to see that firsthand. I mean, he's a sharp mind, a guy who really has no ego about himself despite all the success that he's had. You know, he's empowered all of his coaches. He's empowered all of his players. And you can see why he's a Super Bowl championship coach and also a coach who took a team this year so far who nobody gave any opportunity to win a lot of games to now. You know, they're one of the best teams as far as in the, in the NFC, and they're going to compete as far as to make a playoff appearance. And for me, it was just great just to be around that. So what's Matthew Stafford like? What did you pick up from him watching him perform? You know what I mean? He's cool, calm, and collected. And, you know, he's always communicating. He's uh, sole in charge as far as of that offense. And when he talks, you know, he's talking to the head man himself. You know, they're going back and forth, just communicating and making sure they're on the same page. But, you know, he just has an aura about himself. You know, when he steps into that meeting room or wherever the team is present, whether it's with fans or just with the team itself, you know, he he, he demands attention and really has, doesn't have to make a sound just to get that attention. But he's a consummate professional, a guy who's a perfectionist, wanting to be the best that's ever played this game. And you can just see by his work ethic, just the time that he dedicates to the game of football and also to his team because now he's kind of in that same realm that I was in my last few years of playing where, you know, if you put on a certain song in the locker room, a lot of guys probably didn't know what song you were playing. <laughs> that group was. And, uh, and the thing is, uh, but he's found a way still to bring that team together and to find ways to create success, even with the injury to Cooper Cup. Got players like Puka Nakua and a number of guys stepping up just to fill a certain void. So it's Matthew Stafford doing Matthew Stafford type things. Hey, Henry Burris joining us here, one of the greatest ever play in the CFL. You, uh, American guy, Temple guy, you tried to make the NFL with uh, Green Bay in Chicago, trying to get in as a coach. You're, you're, you found out as a player, and you're finding out as a coach something Nathan Rourke's finding out. It's a tough nut to crack to just to just get your foot in the door and stay in the door, right? Well, there's a lot of politics that, that, that come into play, and really it's not what you know and what you bring to the table. It's more who you know. And, and honestly, I mean, there's good and bad with that. I mean, of course, the bad is for guys like myself who are trying to find that one nut to crack or just to find that one coach who doesn't care about who you know. He cares more about what you know and what value you bring to the team. Uh, and, and, again, you know, uh, but on the other side of that, it also shows you why the quarterback position has struggled the way it has as far as, in, in, in all leagues because, you know, again, guys are more focused on have, making sure their best friends have jobs uh, as in comparison to finding the guy who's the best at doing that job and putting the better guy who has the experience to be able to speak, you know, eye-to-eye uh, -eye with certain quarterbacks and have a feeling for that position. And so that's where the game has suffered because of those decisions that are made. But, you know, again, it's part of the challenge. You know, if you truly love it, you'll continue to hammer on the door until that door opens. And that's what guys like me have to do. And so that's, you know, I know a guy like Nathan Moore, he proved his net worth and as far as what he brings to the table. And he's going to have a chance to continue to prove that. But again, I told and I, him and I, we message each other all the time. I know he's over in London enjoying just that experience. But I told him, hey, this may not be how you want it to go, but sometimes you got to take a step back and make a sacrifice in order to be able to prove yourself in order to be able to play on the biggest stage. This is something that's worthy of making that sacrifice. And I know he's got what it takes and, and I believe in myself as far as what it takes. And these are things that we have to do. So uh, Henry, what's next for you in terms of coaching? Cause obviously that's the road you want to go down. So, so where does it stand for you right now? Well, right now I'm fielding offers. Uh, I've talked to guys from so many different leagues. Uh, you know, even the, I've heard stuff from the XFL, from the NC2A ranks. I've heard stuff from the USFL, and I've even had guys call me about the, the CFL. And right now I'm fielding all offers because, for me, uh, right now currently I'm uh, a post-game analyst 
uh, for the Marquee Sports Network on television doing the Chicago Bear games, which is, which has kept me pretty busy as far as here being able to spend time with my wife and my kids. It's been a long time since I've been able to do this, but for me, it's my oldest, his final year of playing high school football. So for me to be around here, being able to witness this, because this is something I can't get back. So for me to be here and just to be able to be a father and a husband for one season and also my youngest is a freshman quarterback now, to be able to be here for these two as far as in this important time, especially for my oldest, Armand, uh, you know, this is something that, I mean, I only dreamed of as far as being around here for. And, and, uh, but again, I'm already, I'm already kicking buckets and kicking barrels because again, soon the decision is going to come as far as what the future is going to hold. And I'm looking forward to fielding all opportunities. Yeah. So your son, Armand, is having a great uh, year. Just talk about that. I've been following on Twitter. Uh, it's, it's, it's a breakout year for him, but he's got the cheat code. His dad's Henry Burris. <laughs> you know what? It, it's been fun to work with him. For all the years, I tried to make him a quarterback and you know, tell him, hey, man, the easiest way for me to get you to the top is being under center. But, you know, he wanted to go his own route. And trust me, he's a much better athlete than I ever was. You can tell that he's got his intangibles, his work ethic, and his athleticism from his mother, who, you know, she ran track at one time a Hall of Fame lacrosse player. But he got his speed from her and, and the eye of the tiger from her as well, her, her mentality. So, you know, just to be able to see this firsthand and not, be, you know, not be in a place like Jacksonville or L.A., watching this on a computer screen just to be here and be able to experience these high and low moments and walk them through it, be able to talk coverages with them and what are the best ways to have success versus either certain player personnel or versus certain coverages is everything a father like myself could ever dream of. And I'm thankful that I'm here. It's awesome, man. Henry Burris uh, joining us for a couple of minutes. Okay. We're honoring the 2013 Rough Rider team. You were on the other sidelines for that one. Uh, (laughs) When did Henry Burris know that day it wouldn't be your day? Well, I mean, it's one of those things where nobody gave us a chance to be there. And for us to have made it, to that great cup. But I think early on when Corey Sheets had that fumble that bounced right back into his hands and he raised 60 yards, I looked at a couple of guys and we said, oh, no. Because, again, we already knew we were playing the Riders in Regina, and the best-case scenario for Saskatchewan was to have a was to host a great cup right there at home and then to have a chance to win it with the type of team that they had. You know, it's some, there's, for some reason, you know, 2015 and 2013 were the same years. The teams that, that my team never beat – was Edmonton in 2015, Saskatchewan in 2013, and that's exactly who we lost to in the Great Cup. But thankfully, I was able to get my own smile in the end and walk off and not remember you know that loss in 2013. They really hurt bad. Yeah, no kidding. I, I thought you guys were done for. I I knew you had a chance. Guys like you, Austin Fan is obviously on that sideline, but I knew you were done for when I went to the first couple of practices and most of your guys were huddled around the heater. <laughs> <laughs> during practice. That is true. <laughs> You're right. Honestly, I knew that was going to be an issue, too, because we had a couple of players who were fro- whose fingers were frostbitten throughout the course of the week, and I was like, oh, no, this is not good. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we were such a young team in 2013, and a lot of guys were fresh off a of plane from Florida or somewhere in the south. So for them practicing in those extreme temperatures in Regina, this is something that was new to them. And for, and for us mentally, you always try to, you know, make sure it's behind you and it's not on your mind, but you knew somewhere in the back of your mind that people were thinking about it. But again, the game was gorgeous. I mean, it was, yeah, it was. great weather. 
thing. And, uh, you know, it, I always tell people there are football guys that love Canadian football because, you know, for them to bless us with the type of weather that we experience leading up to the Grey Cup, it seems that every Grey Cup, the weather has been immaculate. And that just shows you the football guys love the Canadian game. Yeah, so Henry Burris, a couple more quick questions here for you. I remember, so the 2013 game, that snap gets away from you, and then I'm watching the Super Bowl. It was the 2013 season, but the 2014 Grey Cup. And Peyton Manning had the same thing go against him when playing the Seahawks. What's that like when the ball goes flying past you and you're not expecting it? Well, for me, it felt much worse because, again, as, as as bad as I was wanting to win that breakup over the Riders, you know what I mean, especially with our history and as fun as that rivalry has been, you know, that was kind of the icing on the cake in the because, you know, again, you've got uh, that defensive line that the Riders had and, and with John Chick and company and just mm-hmm. how that team had – they were physical and, and, you know, Corey Chamberlain and company, you know, they, they were such a well-coached team. They didn't make a lot of mistakes and had the Canadian Air Force on the offensive side. And, and uh, of course, we had fan twos with us, but, you know, they still had the remainder of the guys. But the thing was you couldn't make any mistakes trying to beat the Riders, you know, as far as in Riderville on, on a great cup or for a great cup. And we knew we had to play mistake-free football. But, unfortunately, you know, that was kind of that final straw that broke the camel's back and, and, you know, again, we were going to battle for minutes, but, again, we knew right after that we definitely had no chance. Well, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders had two signature wins, end of August, early uh, September, the Labor Day. They beat BC, they beat Winnipeg, and then they've fallen on hard times. They've dropped four straight games. It's been pretty ugly. They're holding on to a playoff spot, mainly because the other teams behind them, including the Calgary Stampeders, are worse. If you had some advice for the Rough Riders and young Jake Dolagala, who is a two and five as a starter, uh, just some advice from a, from a Hall of Famer like yourself. Well, if you look at the 2016 version of the Ottawa Red Blacks, you'll see that, that we found a way to catch fire right about this time when nobody gave us a chance. And we were dealing with a number of different injuries that have occurred, you know, with Trevor Harris and a number of great players that play for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But the thing is, when people rule you out, it's the best time to, to catch fire. I mean, because right now they, they found a way to ignite that fire that's in each and every player's belly as far as within that organization. You know, with Craig Dickinson and company, they're probably already ruling them out with Jeremy O'Day and friends. So it's like for everybody in that organization, you got to spend expunge a little bit more time as far as within those doors. You know, for Dola Gala, grab those receivers, you know, uh, get Morrow and, and, and running backs together. Throw a few more routes after practice. Throw a few more one-on-ones after practice. Make sure when you leave that field after each and every practice, you're as confident as ever, knowing when you walk into that next game, it doesn't matter what the opposition does, you're going to pick them apart. You're going to be a surgeon on game day. And that's the type of mindset that you have to develop, but it only comes from stealing extra reps and making sure you go into practice as well-prepared as you ever have been because if, the, if it, I mean, if you would talk about times where it matters, nothing matters more than that, that team being successful each and every game just to get into the dance. Because once you get into the dance, anything can happen. Absolutely. And lastly, uh, Henry Burr, it's been a tough week here in Saskatchewan as um, George Reed suddenly passes away on the eve of his 84th birthday. It's kind of sadly ironic where. We're recognizing the 2013 team, and we're calling it uh, uh, Legends Night. He is the legend of all legends. 100%. I mean, just to, just to see that that news, I mean, I mean, for me, it shook me up because, you know, of the so many great times that we spent together, uh, you know, doing different things, whether it was in Calgary or in, in Regina or even around Saskatchewan, 
you know, George Reed was like a, a god for us. You know what I mean? He was a guy who he had broken down so many barriers and paid so many, uh, paid so many, made so many sacrifices for guys like myself to be able to play this game. I mean, when I first met him, you know, my, I was in awe because just to see his journey and, and just to be able to sit down with him and just talk life. But he was such a down to earth, uh, uh, you know, as far as person and, and man, but he was a figure beyond that. And I, I tell people all the time that, you know, with him, again, being 83 years old and you had a conversation with him, he had all the energy in the world that you would ever, that you could experience and feel from a 30 something year old man, a man who was blessed with so much wisdom, overcame so many doubters and co- overcame so much adversity in his life. But look at the impression that he made on so many wherever he'd been, whether he put on, you know, his, his, his penny loafers to putting on feet. I mean, he made an impression on everybody, an impression that nobody will ever forget. His legacy will forever live on. I mean, talk about football giants being immortal. You know, right now he's up with the football, watching over the CFL, and he's been doing that forever and ever. Man, I love talking to you. Let's uh, catch up soon, okay? Hey, sounds great, brother. Thank you so much, Baldy. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Sastel pick the score now. Two tickets to the Riders game against the Tiger Cats. Big game here. Bo Levi Mitchell might even play. Took first team reps today in practice. Day number one for the Tiger, or day number two for the Tiger Cats. All right, uh, here's what happens. You pick the score, you automatically win tickets to the game. If you're closest to the score right on the money, uh, you get a $200 gift card from Sastel and are throwing in the bin for a draw for next year, you and three, to watch a rider game in a luxury suite at Sastel. Pick the score. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Say hi to Kirk Mandon, who is an interesting pick. Kirk, take it away. What's your score, man? you got an interesting twist here. Well, I think the riders they're gonna they're gonna put up thirty four for George, mm-hmm. and hopefully, hopefully they're gonna keep the Die Cats at thirteen to honor the uh, twenty thirteen team. So thirty four thirteen riders. Nice, I like that. I, I also wouldn't mind seeing what was it, Zinger? Was it forty? Was it forty five twenty three? That score when we beat the Tiger Cats? Yeah, forty five twenty three on November twenty fourth, twenty thirteen. That'd be a nice one too. But I like yours, Kirk. So you've automatically got tickets to the game on uh, Saturday. Riders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. A game you can catch right here on six twenty C Caram. I believe it's a five o'clock kickoff, Sweet. if I'm not mistaken. You can listen to the pregame show driving down, starting at two, because you're in North Battleford. Thanks for playing along with pick the score okay no problem thank you thanks man thanks for listening kirk man then all the way in north battleford sask listening to the show zinger they're listening to you that's they right put, they put up a plaque at george reed's statue today there's a plaque at george reed's statue they put up a, a permanent plaque really not even joking Yep, Carm Carteri posted a picture. They put up a permanent bronze plaque at George Reed's statue. Did, I they, did they listen to me? Of course they listen to you. <sighs> they don't listen to me when I say make tickets 34 bucks. Who's he? He I, just calls our game. I've been saying this for a couple years. They just did. They, uh, literally, it's in visual evidence, Singer. You did it. <sighs> Make it Zinger for Prime Minister! He's <laughs> <laughs> <I was> crying. <laughs> Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Radio show fun fact. This show's called The Greatest Show on Radio. 
And when they called, they were asked not to call there again. Let's get back to the show. Ah, yes. It is the greatest show in radio. And you know why it is, Zinger? Because people are listening, and we make change. We make change happen. (laughs) But a week or so ago, Sean Kleisinger went to Manitoba, and he had said uh, he loves the Ryder Stadium more than IG Field, but he wasn't totally derogatory towards IG Field. You like the Bob Irving Media Center... Um, you like like the art, the artwork on the walls, and everything like that, uh, and attention to detail there. I agree. Uh, you also like the Bud Grant statue out front, and how it was on a pedestal, and there was like a plaque, and it told the the casual fan or maybe first time fan who who this dude was. Standing. International travelers, right? Exactly. So that's a, that was one of our pet peeves. We know it's George Reed, and we know it's Ron Lancaster, but you brought, and rightfully so. Because I don't really think that much about these things, but that's why I have you here. You're my dry sidle. And so you're like, why aren't they on pedestals? I'm like, well, they're probably not going to put them on pedestals now. Because part of it is like they're handing yeah, it. It's like, I like the concept. It's George handing it off to, or Ronnie handing it off to George. Um, by the way, did you see George take the hand off? The old school. Mm-hmm. Like he took it like a basket. Yep. He didn't take it like hand over hand. Nope. Anyway, today. I saw Carm Carteri, old great uh, Rough Rider, Tiger Cat, local uh, football legend, and of course, great color commentator for a number of years on this radio station. Um, he said, look at what they did. They put a plaque up at Mosaic Stadium, and it's a beautiful plaque. Your dad, Patrick, will be happy about mm-hmm. that. It tells the story of George and Ronnie. It's one plaque. It's nicely done. Kudos to the Rough Riders. It put a smile on your face. Sean Kleisinger in the sports cage got it done. Because you can't tell me they just threw that together in two days when George Reed passed away. He passed away on a Sunday before a holiday Monday. There's no way they'd have it up on a Tuesday. They were they were already thinking about this singer when we were harping on this. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. So, we did it. We, we did it. We you did it. it. You did it. Thanks, good job, uh, man. Yeah, 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 let's go. It's, I'm just happy to see that is the, good, though. the nice description because I, that's, that's what needs to be done. Two and, legends. It's done. Two legends Now done. everybody can know who those two legends are when they come over and from they overseas. Should. And they should. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Right. So, and we don't have a lot of tourist things here in Regina, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. So the one thing besides like the RCMP depot, obviously, the, or depot, the, the legislative grounds, and Mosaic Stadium. Mm-hmm. When you walk past here, why are these two statues here? Who are these dudes? Yeah. And that's exactly what, And even for the guys that are coming to the stadium to play. Oh, I know. You know? Read, stop and read about it. All right. CFL teams, U sports teams, I mean, yeah. you name it. So let's get to our uh, CFL power rankings. We haven't done that uh, yet this week. At number nine, um, Calgary. They maybe have the worst offensive line in the CFL. They can't pass, protect Jake Bayer's running for his life. And when he can throw it, he's not on the same page with his receivers. It's a mess in Calgary for the first time in a long, long time. At number eight, I got the Red Blacks. Dustin Crum followed up one of his best performances uh, of his young career against the Riders with arguably his worst against the Alouettes at a bad time. Now they need a miracle to stay alive in the playoffs. And I'll tell you something, Zinger. It's... um. It's uh, not looking good. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a long off season in the nation's capital. Number seven, our Rough Riders. They've fallen flat after two big back-to-back wins over BC and Winnipeg. I feel like this team is better than last year, Zinger. 
I really do. But for the second straight September, they have floundered with four straight losses. They need to win these next two games. No ifs, ands, or buts. Like, this is gut check time for the Rough Riders. I think Saturday's game could be that springboard that they need. Well, with all this emotion and stuff, imagine if they just put together a, a, a full game and they carried that momentum into weeks on end. And we don't have many weeks left in the regular well, I'll tell you season. This right so now, if they don't go. win this game, Playoffs if, if they don't win, I love the Rough Riders voice of the team, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, if they don't win this game Saturday, I don't think they're winning another game this year. Oh, we're winning. We're winning. I think so, too, but we're I'm just winning. saying. At number six, I got the Elks. There's a lot to be optimistic about in Edmonton. The team's postseason hopes are almost gone, obviously, but Trey Ford has given the fan base and the team hope. So I got them at six right now, mainly because the Riders have tripped the last four weeks. Tiger Cats clinched the playoff spot with Matthew Schiltz coming off the bench, got the job done, and their defense stifled the boring Calgary offense. And now Schiltz at Bowley by Mitchell exchanging first team reps in practice yeah. today. So that's like gonna we be need more storylines. That's for gonna be this game. interesting coming here. Yeah, Bo Levi Mitchell wouldn't even look over the fence at the Riders in free agency, yeah. chickened out and signing Hamilton. Oh, so. now you want to play on our field, yeah. do you? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see sure. about Hopefully that. Hopefully it'll be a short stay. Uh, although I don't wish an injury on anybody. Number four, the Alouettes. Zinger, honestly, I can't decide if they're contenders or pretenders. Their defense, though, continues to carry the weight. And their helmet Poutine is back at Molson Stadium Ooh. for ninety nine dollars. Really, ninety nine bucks? I, you buy I, a helmet and the poot like a, a I, real helmet? Yeah, I I, I I chatted with the voice of the Al Sean Campbell last yeah. week, and it's back. It was it was there last year, and it's sold yeah. out in waving numbers. Ninety nine bucks. It gets you like a plastic like life size helmet, yeah. and it's. Full with poutine, oh. and then where the face mask is, yeah. nice buttery popcorn oh, kernels. Oh, nice! Yeah, that is you it. Get it. Heart attack in a helmet. That's it. And I told Sean Campbell to mail me one, <laughs> and he says he's going to. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> if the helmet's full, it'll be quite a mess in the mail. Uh, and I love the way Sean Campbell said the word poutine too. It had like a poutine, poutine, yeah, poutine, 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 poutine. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We're both not French. No. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they whined and cried that, like their fans and some media about all oh, your bench and your quarterback, your bench and your starters, and oh, doing a disservice to a sold out crowd. And Cameron Dukes and the Argos almost beat them. So just cool your Jets over there in Winnipeg. You're good. You're not great. You're number three. Cameron Dukes was an NAIA quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Well, he looks good. He looks like pretty good. Like yeah. that, that's like equivalent to like maybe a D three div two. It's yeah. like a mixture of both. Yeah. Yeah. And that dude was slinging. He was balling. Number two, the BC Lions. Vernon Adams Jr., 458 yards passing. The defense really took their foot off the gas, or that could have been a blowout against the Riders. I got the BC Lions at two, and they are poised to finish first in the CFL West. And number one, the Argos suffered their second loss, but they, they rested Kelly and a bunch of starters and still almost won that game. Pushed the Bombers to the brink. If anything, in a loss, they showed us they are the best team in the CFL, Toronto. Number one. So Toronto one, BC two, Winnipeg three, Montreal four, Hamilton five, Edmonton six, Saskatchewan seven, Ottawa eight, Calgary nine. All right, with George Reed passing away, he is the greatest running back in CFL history. So naturally, the greatest running back in rider history. And when you become a running back on this team, you are looking up to guys like Wes Cates, who's number two, and then way up, George Reed. Here's Jamal Morrow. We'll have Jamal Morrow in a second. I got him. 
It just it dissolved from my screen. Uh, Jamal Morrow. Are you there, Jamal? Uh, um, hey, Jamal. I thought Ariel Zer said it best when she said, Coach Dickinson. Beautiful life. I think um, he was a beautiful man on and off the field. I didn't have the opportunity to get to know him well, but I certainly knew of him and have, have met him. And, um, you know, it's sad. It was sad to see him go. Uh, gone too soon in our, our eyes, no matter when he passed. Um, but what a, what a beautiful life he led and really what a difference he made in everybody's lives. I mean, even if you didn't know George and you knew who he was and you knew about his legacy. So just a true giant of a man and, you know, thoughts are with his family, but he will be missed. When it comes to, I guess, legends of the past and, and sort of the fingerprints that they put over the organization, I don't know if it's a daily thought, but when it comes to the legacy that the team is trying to build and, and the, the current players looking at all the guys who have done it before, how meaningful is just the history of a, of a guy like George? It's very meaningful, and you just see you see him everywhere you go. You know, he, you see his his statue when we walk in the building. So, you know, even if you didn't know who he was, you knew somebody's a pretty big deal. They got their statue out front. Uh, you see pictures of him around the walls. You see, um, you know, his name and his numbers in the running back's room. Um, you know, he's just, you feel like you know him oftentimes and, and you haven't even met the guy. He just, his presence just kind of exudes itself everywhere. You feel it when you walk these halls, and I think you'll feel it forever. Craig, how does you know, a player of that magnitude, a player of that era, uh, impact and benefit the franchise today? I know when you took when you were hired here initially, you know, more than a decade ago, and then when you got the head coaching job, you made it a priority personally to really investigate the history of the franchise. How? yesterday impact today well i think i think the message we try to give our players and the message we try to really give ourselves and remind ourselves is we're not the first ones that did it you know we stand on the shoulders of the men that came before us and he he was a giant of a man and so all of our accomplishments and or uh, proud moments we have to recognize that a lot of that was made possible by the George Reeds, the Ron Lancasters, you know, the Roger Aldegs of the world, the, the guys that came before us that really, uh, I think, created Ryder Nation, and we're the beneficiaries of that. So I think that sort of um, acknowledgement of history and those that came before us is an important part of, of what we do as leaders in the organization, and I think it just continues to continues to shine through and it continues to be a point of emphasis for us and for me personally because we're not here without the work that those guys did so we appreciate and really respect them craig just speaking about this week now and everything just how's the team feeling with the losses mounting and everything well today was an interesting day well first of all that george reed you know, even even the guys that didn't know him, there was a sense of, of sadness and mourning today. So we talked a little bit about George this morning and really, really allowed people to, you know, talk about it and express themselves and how they're feeling. So I think there is a little bit of a, a of sadness when it came to that. And then I do think our guys are disappointed in, in how we've played lately. We've made some... Um, some moves this week in terms of reps that got some people's attention and guys sometimes react uh, well to that sometimes don't react as well as they as they should so I, I think we're 
today was kind of a slow day and and uh we're hoping that tomorrow picks up, but we got a, a big game against a formidable opponent, and we're going to have to be on our, our best to, to play with them and beat them. How important is it to have to make these changes at this point and realize that what's been, what you've been doing just hasn't been working? Yeah, I think it's super important. I, I think uh, the one thing in, in pro sports is if you're not constantly evolving, changing, adapting, getting better, you're getting worse. And I think... At some point, um, you know, we looked, Jeremy, myself, Kyle Carson, and the coaches and said, all right, what can we do to get a little better here, a little better there? Um, we're not trying to ruffle feathers on purpose, but we've got to try to spark something in this team to get us to perform at a higher level. And, and as coaches, we've, we've looked at what we can do, uh, certainly, to try to help that. So I think you're going to see some new faces this week. I'm not going to tell you necessarily who, but... We've got to get some, some people out there that hopefully can, can uh, give us a spark and give us a chance to win a game. No Derek Moncrief. Was that a change or an injury? Is he dealing That's, he's dealing with a little bit, of, a little bit of, of the flu bug, so that wasn't anything more than that. I am concerned, and I'm I'm just as concerned, Britt, about our, our inability to generate turnovers. We talked about that ironically this morning. We've given it up 36, and we've only taken away 23. So we're minus 13, which is dead last in the CFL. Which that is the indicator of winning and losing. So we're going to continue to hammer it. We had a ball security takeaway circuit today in practice. We do it every week. Um, but that's got to be a point of emphasis. We got to take care of the football when we have it, and try to take it away when we don't. And your wins and losses oftentimes directly correlate with that stat. So we've got to get better at it. How much of that do you feel like falls on Jake? Some, but not all. I mean, he's the guy throwing it. I mean, but the uh, the the truth of the matter is the receivers also got to run certain routes, and we got to fight for the ball if it's in the air. And a couple of them have been bad bad luck. And let's be honest, where they've hit the receiver and bounced into the DB's hands. But Jake knows he's got to take care of the football, and that, that come, goes along with throwing it, and also when he's not throwing it, making sure he's got it close to his body. Brett looked like he was hurting quite bad in that game. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's that. hurting a little bit. He fell on his shoulder kind of awkwardly, awkwardly so we, uh, we'll hold off on tackling drills with him this week, and hopefully he'll, he'll be able to kick. I think he'll be fine. He was moving around good today. Your chance Colin Kelly returns this year at all? Or? I don't think so. Just too long of a rehab. I think he's three or four months still away. When you look at uh, look at the standings, is it almost a sigh of relief when you see Calgary not stacking up the wins and, and trying to catch it? Well, it's it's it continues to give us optimism, you know, because we don't have to necessarily run the table. But but I will say this, Taylor, we want to play our best football. So regardless of, of where we finish in the standings, certainly you got to get into the tournament. That's the, that's the goal. And our, our job is to get into the playoffs. But we also want to get in playing well. So that's been the point of emphasis today. It will be all week. Is We want to certainly go 1-0 this week. But the main thing is we got to play better football so that when we get into the playoffs, because we think we will, uh, that we're playing good football, that we have a chance to beat BC or Winnipeg, and that we got a chance to advance. Craig, if you just look at the environment on Saturday, I mean, the 2013 team being celebrated and, and George Reed being honored, and the, the team was a powerhouse for virtually the entire time he played here. Can you use that as a bit as a bit of a benchmark for the players? To say, this is where the bar has been set historically. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
you know, the, the only thing is a lot of these guys weren't around. Even in 13, they were just young kids. So, But I think it's important to acknowledge and, uh, and celebrate your history, and that includes George Reed and all those years, and it includes the 2013 championship team. So we'll find ways to try to, try to bring that into the, into the equation. Um, I'm going to work hard to try to intrinsically motivate our guys, have them look inward and make sure that they're giving their best effort and then we'll do what we need to on the outside to try to fire them up. And, and uh, I think having the guys that were on that 13 team around will be helpful because they'll get a chance to see them, visit with them a little bit. And, and hopefully some of that good mojo that, that they had in 13 rubs off on our guys. So not only, Zinger, did you do your best to get a plaque put up there, which has been put up there now for George and Ronnie. Good job, Sean. But you, you are also right about this. Now, I will not call him garbage, and I will not call him trash, because I'm not Rodney Harrison, Booger McFarlane, or some of these idiots that that call players trash. There's also a CFL broadcast team that called the Edmonton Elks quarterback, Taylor Cornelius, trash early this year, but I digress. I think I might have called him trash earlier in the yeah, show. Yeah, I won't do that. But... I do agree with you. I don't know that he's a Hall of Famer, Troy Aikman. He had 32,942 yards passing. He averaged seven yards a pass. Um, he threw for 165 touchdowns, 141 interceptions, and completed just 61.5% of his passes. Those aren't Hall of Fame numbers, except he played for the Dallas Cowboys and won three Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. My guy, Phillip Rivers, is way better than that. Oh, yeah. So, like, I have some decent takes, yeah, I think. You, yeah, look at you. Look at me. I'm on a roll. And you're a good play-by-play guy? Are you trying to take my job? <laughs> hey, I'm knocking on the door. <laughs> hey, let's quickly go to the phones because he's been waiting forever. Yeah, John, sorry, John. John, go ahead. What's up, man? Hey, uh, Zinger, if uh, you wouldn't be inside with Sean Campbell, I know him, too. Um, he's a good, awesome guy. He's a Packers fan as well. Oh, I didn't know that part, John. That's okay. I knew I liked him How for do you a reason. Got, are, do you stock announcers, John? How do you know all these guys? Yeah, what's the, well, yeah, what? well, he works for TSM 69 in Montreal. He does Habs games. Yeah, and so like you know, right, he's the voice of the Laval Rocket. Wow, he is. Wow. Yeah. Well, John, thanks for your input. We appreciate. Okay, guys, see, take before care. Before I go, yeah, I'd yeah. like to say with with George Reed, um, they should have him lie in state at the stadium to honor him. That would be the most classiest way to send him off. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people would show up, but I'm not sure the family wants to go down that path. But I get what you're saying because they've done that with like the likes of Guy Lafleur and uh, other Habs and great players like that. So it's a good, uh, it's a good point. Anyway, thanks for the time, John. We got a roll. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks I'll to John, you, John for being a faithful listener, even though he cheers for a bad hockey team, the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know about that. Actually, one. I'd take the Habs over the Leafs any day. Of the greatest week. hockey team in the world. We're gonna take a break. On the other side, we'll talk with Glenn Suter. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Back with your sports ticker. It's 532. Your sports ticker is for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. It's a final in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 3-1. The Minnesota Twins take game one of the wild card series over the Toronto Blue Jays. One other final across the majors. The Texas Rangers, 4 to nothing winners over the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, just underway, top of two, Milwaukee has a one to nothing lead over the Arizona Diamondbacks. And later on tonight, the Miami Marlins in the city of brotherly love versus the Phillies.
Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Red Shana Pats, 620 CKRM. Couple Pat things to get to. Uh, Brad Tippett, former coach of the Regina Pats, passing away at the age of 64. He was coaching Junior A out in um, Vancouver Island, and he was coach of the year in that league, but stepped away after the 21-22 season because of health issues. No details on the reason for his death. He's a brother of Dave Tippett, longtime NHL coach, and uh, Brad coached the Pats starting in 89-90, taking over from Bernie Lynch. They had two playoff seasons, got to the semifinals, and then the third year, he uh, didn't make the playoffs, so our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and friends. Brad Tippett passing away at the, away at the age of 64. Sports Cage will be on location tomorrow. Uh, live at the uh, Brand Center, Bob Strum will join us. We'll be joined by well, I can't tell you who else we're going to be joined by, but he's the alumni of the game. They're handing out each Wednesday night a poster. Now, Jordan Everly was on the show, and they handed out his poster. So this is the second of six, and it makes one big poster. Uh, we can't tell you till he's on the air tomorrow, but he will join us. He is in the NHL. That's all I'll say. And uh, that's your Pat Chat for the Canadian Brewhouse. All the sports under one roof, just like Major League Baseball. You can watch the playoffs. Uh, they got a great menu and drink selection, too. It's the Canadian Brewhouse. Two locations in Regina, one in Moose Jaw. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We're having a great time. Just ahead of Glenn Suter, hey, we were talking about Troy Aikman, and I thought you were smoking something when you said he's not that good. Now, I'm not going to say he's not that good. He won three Super Bowls. He was a great quarterback at Oklahoma, then UCLA. Um, and he played for a dynasty team at Dallas. He made big throws and big times. A big time plays in big spots. But look at his stats. He completed 61.5% of his passes for 32,942 yards. He had 165 touchdowns and 141 interceptions, okay? So that's what he did. I'm going to pull up what I think is a a comparable uh, player. Now, I will say this. Troy Aikman played in an era where guys could clutch and grab and do all that type of stuff. You could mug a receiver down the field, okay? So Mm -hmm. that's something. Mm Um and he also had his career cut short because of concussions, mm-hmm. which you never want to see in anybody. But I pulled up Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco won one Super Bowl. Okay? Joe Flacco completed 61.6% of his passes, which is more than better than Troy Aikman by a smidgen. He had 42,320 yards passing. He had 232 touchdown passes and 147 interceptions. And nobody would consider Joe Flacco a Hall of Famer. How about this one? Because this guy played in the 90s. It was more so in Troy Aikman's era. Troy Aikman is Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson, let's look at these statistics, okay? Okay, Brad- so you, you, I'll give you Troy Aikman's, okay? Troy Aikman had 61.5% completion percentage. Well, uh... Brad Johnson had, uh, where is it, Uh, 61.7. So he's higher. Okay. Troy Aikman threw for 32,942 yards. Brad Johnson, 29,054. Touchdowns, Troy Aikman, 165. Brad Johnson, 166. Interceptions, Troy Aikman, 141. Brad Johnson, 122. 
So he's and I, and I got these. These ones are good. The most yards in a season that Brad Johnson threw for four thousand and five in nineteen ninety nine. The mm-hmm. most that uh, Aikman threw for was in nineteen ninety two three thousand four hundred forty five. The most touchdowns in a season Aikman threw was twenty three in nineteen ninety two. The most touchdowns in a season Brad Johnson threw was. 26 in 2003. Like, literally, the, the so numbers... So he's a Hall of Famer because he won those championships. Yeah, basically. Brad Johnson has one Super Bowl. Yeah. If he had two more, he yeah. could... He's as good as Aikman now. So let's go to the let's go to this. Hit that one. If you Every can. time Saskatchewan is second or all, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of it's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, so Glenn Suter joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. You kind of walked into this debate, Suits. Um, we always joke about you and Troy Aikman. You weren't a quarterback. He was. But, like, it, it speaks to the argument People put a lot of weight on championships. Like, look at Kevin Glenn. I brought this up with other guys that played against him, and some say he should be a Hall of Famer, and some say Kevin Glenn shouldn't be a Hall of Famer because he doesn't win a championship. Old man Philip Rivers, I call him that, but I like Philip Rivers. He reminds me, or Trevor Harris reminds me of Philip Rivers. Good football IQ, puts up a lot of yards, hasn't won a championship where he's been the starting guy. In Harris's case, Rivers never won it. And people say, well, he can't be a Hall of Famer. I don't buy that. You have to win a championship to uh, be a Hall of Famer. Like, look at Dan Marino. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't either. And, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna sort of skirt around the outside of this uh, <laughs> debate you and Zinger have been having because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of uh, Troy Aikman's work in the booth. And, uh, you know, I was never a Cowboys fan or anything, but... And and I don't I don't have that Packer uh, you know I'm not watching games with Packer goggles on so I, mm-hmm. I don't uh, you know but in the Hall of Fame discussion you know I and and it doesn't matter what sport I, I always think that we should have some sort of standard set and then an, uh, a room for exceptions so in other words there should be a certain amount of time played, a certain level of statistics gained. You know, that's basically production on the field. Um, those things should, there should be a standard there. And then there could be an exception. You know, Doug Flutie in Canada is an exception. He was, he didn't play a long time in the league, but he was so dominant and championships and MOPs that, he could be an exception to the to the rule, but other than that, I think what happens is a lot of the the uh, committees for these things they sort of get into eye tests and favorite players, and um, you know they the eye test meaning a guy that is a huge big receiver that can win jump balls but only played seven years is in uh, a guy that has twice the amount of yardage but wasn't maybe as athletic, is not in. So what is it? It Was that the eye test that got that guy in and not the fact that and, – and championships do come into it, but championships in football is a team thing, completely a team thing. So I don't know how individual induction into the Hall of Fame is, is – uh, has, it has so much weight. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just think there should be a standard – and then if you make that standard, then you can have debates. 
And then there can be the exceptional guy, the exception rule or something. Yeah. So uh, Glenn Suter joining us here. When you talk about Hall of Fames, man, uh, right there, that that uh, that um, honor is synonymous with the name George Reed. I don't know how many run-ins you've had with George Reed in terms of uh, sitting down with him or talking with him, but just your thoughts on the passing of George Reed. Yeah, many, many. You know, I... I will I will keep the conversations private, but every time I would have a chance to talk to George Reed, I, I he would always talk to me about the game, about our presentation of the game, and you know I'll keep that private. But it was always something that I will cherish because um, he, you know he was so sincere, so humble, and yet the mega superstar. And when I ever do a speaking engagement with him and he'd walk into a room, the room just changed. It just lit up. People got on their feet. It was, you know, whenever we show on TSN former players in the crowd, we always say, you know, one of the greatest players, one of the greatest quarterbacks, one of the greatest running backs. And only for a couple of guys have we ever said that's football royalty right there. And George Reed is, is one of those guys. And, you know, I think, you know, Michael, when you think about it, I, I've been trying to think of other players that are synonymous with the heart and soul of a franchise, the, you know, right down to the foundation of a, of a franchise. You know, maybe Babe Ruth with the Yankees. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of other sports and other... Wayne Gretzky, um, with, the, Wayne Gretzky with the Oilers. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and and you think about this uh, not not necessarily the greatest players for the franchise history, but those players. But, but you know, Ronnie and George were the greatest uh, to play in in their positions in the franchise history. But they were beyond that too. They were they were foundational and heart and soul. And when I when I got off the plane in Regina as a rookie. I remember thinking to myself, and I've told this story before, but I remember thinking of it, this is the house when I looked at Taylor Field that Ronnie and George built. And, you know, to to get a chance to meet your hero after thinking that way, if I could play one down, one snap in that stadium, I would be playing on the same field as Ronnie and George played in. And, you know, to think about it that way when I walk out there as a kid, and then to get to meet him and see the humility. He would sit with the fans during games. Like, he didn't go in and ask for a box or a suite or anything like that. He, he sat out there with the fans. Right till the end. The fans would Right till the end, and the fans would engage him. That's who George Reed was. Well, when, we meet our, when we meet our heroes, Michael, we, we are always worried that we will be disappointed. You you were never disappointed when you got a chance to meet or talk to George Reed. Well, and Glenn, um, when you're talking about comparable athletes, Wayne Gretzky wouldn't be a good comp because he left Edmonton. It wasn't by his own doing, but he left. George stayed the whole time. I, I've said this. George Reed was our Jim Brown. Or, you know, Dick Butkus yes. with the Jim Chicago... Brown's a good one. Jim yes. Brown or Dick Butkus with the Chicago Bears or like, a you know, uh, the fabric of the team. When you think Bears, you think, well, Walter Payton's another good one. And that's where I'm go- I want to go with this. I heard this suggestion. I won't take credit for this, but I heard this suggestion from a couple of fans online. They have the jo- they have the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year. What about the George Reed Man of the Year or something that George Reed is honored by? Yeah, absolutely love the idea. That's exactly what the designation should be, the man of the year. 
that is a humble superstar that has nothing but time for the fans, that is completely generous with his time, and, and it's sincere. He's playing the game for the right reasons. He's playing the game the right way. When I think of Saskatchewan tough, and I think of Prairie tough, I think of George and Ronnie. I've always thought that. And and George in particular, I always wondered, you know, why can why can people in Saskatchewan take credit for tough? And then, you know, when you think about the extreme weather and the crops and the and the weather that ruins the crops and they have to fight through it all and then you go and watch those two guys on the field and you watch George get up after run after run after run and hit after hit and how tough he was. That's why you can, as a province, say it's Saskatchewan tough, it's Prairie tough, and those guys are the reason. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm running out of ways to describe. You know, I, I will do this, Michael. I will say, I'm choosing now to not be sad that you know that he's gone, but to be so happy and honored that I got a chance to talk to him, to meet him to watch him play the game and to set the example of what a legend should be. And that's what he was both on the field and off. Yeah. That's great to ask you about that. We know, you know, him as a, as a, you know, fellow alumni, you, you actually helped end the drought that, uh, that he and Ronnie started with winning that championship. And then you guys ended it the 23 year drought in 1989. You knew him as a broadcaster and he'd come talk to you, uh, you know, but you got to see him when you were a young guy in BC, like, you know, Jim Young and those guys, you love the BC lines, but what was it like watching George? Like, what did you think of George Reed, the opponent going up against your team? Yeah, you just relentless, you know, just the tenacity and the toughness and the quiet inspiration, the, the getting up, it, it was almost to me like he was getting up slowly on purpose and winking at the defense at the same time and basically saying, guess what, I'm coming right back at you. So here we go again. And, you know, I, I, I've listened to so many of the stories from, you know, guys like Jim Hobson. I was listening to the show earlier online when Jim was on and, and talking about uh, him as a teammate and not surprising. The other thing that, you know, that George is, uh, is 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 forever going to be sort of the representation of the American player that comes up, falls in love with the game, falls in love with our country, falls in love with the fans, and then raises his family here, moves up from the state, stays here. Like Derek uh, Moncrief is a, is a good example of a current player that is doing exactly that. And that's one of the great things about Canadian football. We get these fantastic citizens that fall in love with our country and, and they, and they raise their family up here. It's, it's and George Reed will always be the guy I go to because he's just that big. Awesome way to put it. We'll continue our conversation with Glenn Suter on the other side. You're listening to the Sports Cage for the group over there at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. This portion Press coverage brought to you by Qual. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
Suits doesn't like this music, but uh, I don't care. You can't get pumped up with like Kenny Chesney or like George Strait. Check yes or no. You can't do that. We're trying to get pumped up. I love country music. I'm on a country music station. We're trying to get pumped up for the big Plaza of Honor game. We'll get more into that on Thursday with you, Glenn, and, and break down what I think yeah. was one of the greatest playoff runs for a quarterback in the history of the league, and I know you agree with Darian Durant. Um, he's going to be on the show tomorrow, so that that's good, and we'll chat Thursday about that. Uh, I want to... Zinger and I have been kicking this around, okay? I believe... Yeah that Ron Lancaster is the greatest figure in CFL history. We've talked about that. When you take his broadcasting, his coaching, his playing, his ambassadorship of the league, I don't think there's been a greater figure in the Canadian Football League's history. If he was, if he were to live longer, I would love to see him maybe get a shot at the commissioner, because I think he would have been a great commissioner. But the greatest rough rider of all time, in my opinion, is the guy we just talked about, George Reed. For all the things we said, for the fact he stayed here his 13 years, no fault of Ronnie's that he left, because he went for other jobs and to do other things, uh, CFL-related. But George was here, and uh, George was... He was the Rough Riders through and through. So I've got Ronnie and George on two of my mountain faces for my Riders Mount Rushmore, okay? My third one is your old teammate, Ken Austin, because he won as a coach and a general manager... Or a coach and a player, pardon me. The fourth one... Zinger and I have been kicking around names all dag. Uh, Makowski, Elgard. Um, no disrespect, we didn't put Suter there, but uh, you definitely, you, de- you definitely, you know what? You're on the foothills. You're on the foothills, Suits. <laughs> you're, you're, you're on the foothills. Uh, Zinger actually came. Zinger actually came up with a great point. And I think it's it's worth bearing out. The fourth one on the mountaintop should be Jim Hobson. Jim Hobson ushered or was an architect with the help of Roy Shivers in a couple of years before. You got, got to acknowledge Roy. But he made the tough decision to move on from Roy. Made the tough, you know, made the move to bring Ken Austin and Eric Tillman. They won two Grey Cup championships with two different regimes. And outside of Ronnie and George, that was the best stretch of football in Rough Rider history. Probably could add two more Grey Cups there when you think about it, 13th man in the 2010 game. Um, I don't know, man. I think that's a good point by Zinger. I think that would make a nice mountaintop. Yeah, yeah, it would. Um, <laughs> I love that I I'm on the the trail on the way to. The well, mountain. listen, you're a um, Hall of Fame. No, you're a I, Hall I, of Fame. I, no, no, I I, I love it. I, I think it's hilarious. No, no. Here's here's what I would say. Honestly, like I I love your choice and and your your thought. Ronnie and George are a mountain on their own, and you know that that for sure is is what I meant about they have sort of transcended the discussion on the greatest players in a franchise's history. Mm-hmm. They are beyond that. And both of those guys are because of uh, their contribution and just the type of people they, they were to represent and to always be great ambassadors for the game. I, you know, I would also think of guys, Jim Hobson for sure mm-hmm. should be one of the guys that you talk about growing up in Saskatchewan and playing his amateur football there as well. Bill Baker would be another name. That would be, you know, an interesting one, but played on a different team as well. And how, how about Al Ford yeah. and his contribution to the Riders throughout the years? Um, you know, there's there's a few. I mean, just just personal bias. Bobby Jurison's mm-hmm. name is one that 
you know, I know he finished his career with the year in Toronto or whatever it was, but he was a you know lifelong rider. Okay, let's get something straight, great. Suter. Let's get something straight because I don't want a sour taste in your mouth. You're a guy that you're on, you're you're on the cusp of the mountain. You're a Hall of Fame broadcaster and all time safety with the Rough Riders. I think the worldy. I'm just saying when we're putting, we can only have four faces, so I could interchange that fourth mountaintop. Okay. You know what I mean? Buddy, I, I am not on the mountain. I I, have, I can guarantee you, I wouldn't vote for me on the mountain. Okay. <laughs> okay, I got to ask you this. Bobby Jersu would be a nice looking yeah. out with the bandana. Oh, on the a bandana, oh, a bandana yeah. mountain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, bandana mountain. Hey, we only have you for two and a half minutes for this segment. I got to squeeze this in, okay? Okay. I don't want to touch the game. But I don't want to make a mockery of the game. We need to stop this one-yard punt. Like, kudos to the Alouettes for knowing the rule book and making the play. Actually, Antwi tried that earlier in the year and flubbed it. Nobody knew what the hell he was doing. He didn't even get to the kicking part. He just dropped it and then fell on it because he couldn't. He thought better of kicking it. I think it was against Winnipeg, if I'm not mistaken. But this game, yeah, he missed it. Yeah, but this game here, he did it. But it was a one-yard punt. Glenn, that thing has to go at least ten yards when you try an onside. You're having guys run behind the punter, so they actually have to get, you know, it's about 18 yards before they get to the ball. I think that looks Mickey Mouse. I don't know how you feel. Well, I I think it'll be discussed, to be honest with you, in the rules committee meetings uh, at the end of the year. Uh, But I I would look at it this way, and and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pushing back from a lot of discussions over the last three or four years when I say this about rule changes and the discussions of changing our game because I, I just believe that the moment we go down that path, uh, we start to tell the fans, you know, without actually saying it, we're telling them that the game needs to be fixed, and it, and it absolutely doesn't. So uh, so let me give you the sort of the other argument to that. Any Any punt, like right now the rule is in place that would allow for that play to happen because any punt right now, the kicker, or anyone behind the kicker can go and recover the ball. It's a live ball. So mm-hmm. it, that that rule is under the same umbrella as the normal punting rule. So they, they would have to actually create an exemption or create a way to cancel the fact that that would be an option to do that out as a receiver like that or a running back. But here's the other thing it does. There is a tremendous amount of risk in what Antwi did there because if that ball bounces a little bit more inside and goes two yards, it's recovered immediately in that position and maybe even scoop and scored because there's only one guy out there to make a tackle. If he kicks it a little bit too far and it goes into a DB's hands, he's going the other way and it's good, good night touchdown time. And the other thing is, now that it's happened, you're going to see defenses on second and 20, second and 30, play more true defensive calls and not back up and just say, oh, go ahead and throw it underneath. We'll make the tackle. You have to punt. They know now that this rule is there, and they've been reminded of it, so they're going to go, well, we better just play our regular coverage in, in second and 20 because they might try that little quick kick and we better be in position to stop it. So that may open up mm-hmm. the chance for a second and 20 conversion by offenses to go ahead and play against a normal looking defense and try to get, you know, make that big throw for the 20 yard dig across the middle and get a new set of downs. So, you know, I, I, I can, I can make those arguments. I know what you're saying. And I've seen that on Twitter and a lot of people kind of suggesting it looked kind of goofy, but 
there are some things in our game that might look goofy on the outside, but is still part of what we do, and, and I don't think anything needs to be really fixed. I think we're great the way we are. When we come back, on Thursday, we'll talk about the 2013 team, and I also want to get your take on the whole NFL to- Toy Story thing. Man, that was spectacular. They're on to something. I'd love to see the CFL start thinking outside the box a little bit. But anyway, Glenn, thanks for your time. This was a great chat. Okay, thank you, guys. That's Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline to wrap the show up. That'll do it. When we come back tomorrow, man, we got a great show lined up once again. We're at the Pats game, live from the Pats game. Lots going on, uh, another man. Another poster giveaway. I know. Can't wait. We're going to have that alumni on the show. Uh, if you missed any of the show, check it out in podcast form in a bit with Sean Kleisinger as he puts it up. You're listening and have been listening to the Sports Cage and the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM. Quality Tire. Check them out online at qualitytire.ca.